I'm not a number cruncher. I'm a number muncher. You know what I'm saying? I remember number munchers. Wait, number munchers is a thing? Yeah, it was a video, video game. game on floppy disks. <laughs> I'm sorry. You went to poor school. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Rude. I mean, I went to public school. I don't know what that means. <laughs> Your computer lab was just a magazine about computers in a room. <laughs> it was just a picture of Bill Gates and Steve Jobs. We used to we used to play Oregon Trail and Word Muncher and Number Muncher. Yeah, because apparently they were like, you know what you need to learn in school? Dysentery. Can you tell me how to balance a checkbook? No, but dysentery. <laughs> you got to shoot as many animals as possible. And God help you if you ever get a rabbit. Oh, Those fuckers yeah. were fast. Waste of a bullet. They were the hardest to kill and there was like nothing. You got no meat out of it. Just like you. Oh, <laughs> I'm hard to kill because I'm slippery. Why are you so slippery? <laughs> yeah, what? Why are you slippery? Like emotionally? No, he's just coated in petroleum jelly. <laughs> How do you get ready for sex, Mikey? <laughs> it's his actor's secret. I don't. <laughs> I never prepare for sex. That's my secret. <laughs> <laughs> the opposite of a boy scout and that's what i ever sex because i never <laughs> think a it's girl scout? <laughs> <laughs> yeah because he, he just wants he just wants to eat cookies and do crafts <laughs> thank you for tuning into horror virgin i'm Paige. i'm mikey and i'm your horror virgin todd which means i don't like scary movies but you guys make me watch them and this week you two made me watch Seven. Seven. So I'm assuming you guys have seen this movie before because it was like a huge yes. fucking movie. In the Hell day. yeah. Yeah, okay. It had been a long time though. It had been a while for me. It's been since college probably. We used to watch it in college a lot. So I realized that I had watched part of this movie. I had watched mm. up to the point where they reveal the spaghetti dude and they lift his head up and then I remember noping out of the room and leaving. <laughs> ah. Oh, so you got to like the base level Oh, of this movie. I think I was 10, 15 minutes in. Like, that's super early on in the movie. I remember I was, I think, a sophomore in high school and I was watching it in my friend Randall's basement and I just, like, noped out and we, like, I don't know where I, I went, but I remember leaving the basement. But you pop culturally knew the ending, right, before you watched it today? So I knew that Gwyneth Paltrow's goop was, head was in the box, right? I knew it was Gwyneth <laughs> Paltrow's head, but... So that reveal was ruined for you. There are plenty other reveals in this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so yeah. There were some things that I knew. I actually actually called a lot more than I thought I would and I don't know if it's because people in the past have told me and I've like forgotten about it mm -hmm. and I, it was just like rattling around in my brain but when you first see the photographer that was like going to the sloth guy's house and mm -hmm. they're like how'd they get here so fast I was like because yeah. he's the murderer you just had a year's worth of photos then you run into some sketchy dude with a camera like of course it's that guy going to take the next photo you idiot anyway right. so like I saw some of that stuff and the first time you hear Kevin Spacey's voice I was like, oh, Kevin Spacey's the killer. I know it. He's fucking terrifying in this movie. I don't think he wasn't famous when this one came out, right? When was he Kaiser Soze? Not the same year. Okay. So I think before this year, he was pretty much like, who's that guy? And then they're like, that guy's an evil villain. And then it turns out he's an evil villain. He's an villain. evil villain. <laughs> In real life, too. Yeah. yeah. If only we could have seen this coming. Oh. Man, Kevin Spacey can really play a bad guy. I wonder why that is. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so like, I'll be honest with you, though. Like, I fucking dug this movie. I thought it was great. Yeah. Uh, there were some like upsetting visuals. Like, 
Oh, yeah. A lot of this movie, like all of the deaths that we see, because like we don't see Gwyneth Paltrow's head in the box. Like when Brad Pitt shoots Kevin Spacey at the very end, like that, you don't really see that. Like nothing's gross is happening there. But like all of the seven deadly sins that we see the actual deaths on are either super disturbing, like lust is not like body horror, because you don't really see it. It's emotional horror. Yeah, it is yeah. like disturbing. And like all the other ones are like, Sloth, sloth gets me every time. Yeah, dude, and the spaghetti monster, like he got me again this time. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But like jump scares are way worse for me, as you guys know. But like the body horror did sort of like bother me in this, although it won't be that high on the scary scale because it's not it's not a terrible movie. It's a really good like detective, like thriller. Fuck, I love this movie. Yeah. I yeah. really dug it. There's some. There's so many things I love about this movie. One, I think David Fincher is one of my favorite directors. Me too. Just because he has such a vision on how he does things, and everything means something, and he's just yeah. he's just so they're just works of art. Every film he does, I think almost. And I love detective stuff. I I love this film. I love serial killer stuff. Paige, is one of your fun facts the alternative ending to this? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I'll talk about I'll, it in fun facts. Le- it leave then. it because I have like a whole section on it in fun facts. Is the alternative yeah. ending where they just like cover it up because that's of course what they would do and then Brad Pitt <laughs> goes back to his regular day job of being a detective the next day there's two alternate endings oh, one shit. is only slightly different one is completely different okay well we can cover it in fun facts one of them I love also though as I rewatched it this time I'm like pretty sure no one would convict him no I don't think I don't think he's being convicted I think he probably would too I mean I don't think he can be a detective anymore after that um maybe and I, that's probably the point but I mean <laughs> I mean, if I was in the jury and he was like, oh, you found out your wife is pregnant by looking at her head in a box, I'd be like, yeah, not guilty, your honor. (laughs) That's one that I'm like, does that even go to trial? Yeah, I think it probably does. It might. I I honestly feel like the police force would just cover it up and you would never know. They would be like, well, they caught this killer and he was killed while he was being apprehended because he was like fighting back or whatever. Like they're out in the middle of nowhere. It's only cops around. They sent the delivery guy way far away so he can't see what's happening. Like they're going to plant a gun on him and be like, yeah, he had a gun. We had to shoot him. If the title of this was True Detective the movie, that's how it would be. (laughs) Yeah, 100%. (laughs) But it reminded me of the, oh, there was some guy who like some guy had a son and that son was was like I think sexually assaulted and then murdered by a guy and they were moving him for trial. It was at an airport. I oh, heard the yeah, story. Yeah, 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 he got shot on live TV at an airport and I'm pretty sure that guy like the the father of all that was like I think it was initially charged with like second degree murder but like uh, yeah I think that they found him not guilty. Yeah, I think he got I don't I don't think he went to jail. I think he got like a suspended sen- sentence where like if he did anything again he would go to jail but like he just wanted to kill the guy who killed his son so they were like uh well, I guess you're isn't cool. Isn't that how Jack Ruby? Jack Ruby. That's how Jack Ruby died. I thought he died, in, he died in prison. He died in jail. One of them died in jail. The other one gets popped like at an airport. I think he got popped during the perp walk. I think it was the perp walk. Yeah. Because he was the guy who killed Kennedy, right? No. Uh, Lee Harvey Oswald killed Kennedy and then right. Jack Ruby shot him. Yeah. So, yeah. That's what it was. So, it was Allegedly. Lee Harvey Oswald. Jack Ruby's the one who shot him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Allegedly. I mean, there's pictures of Jack Ruby shooting him. Like, you can see it. Yeah. 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 Uh, that, oh, okay. was an outside job It was an outside job Yeah the planes were outside And also Pierce Brosnan was not in the building When (laughs) it happened The mastermind of it all Golden eye if you will Um... (laughs) But no I sort of dug it I I dug this movie yeah This is one I would probably consider watching again Yeah I I love this movie Uh, I've loved it since the first time I watched it Uh, One of the reasons we chose to do it now Is because we thought that it was An interesting juxtaposition to do it Right after Fresh because they're both 
both movies that have a very distinct visual style and flow. Yeah. And are very much like a, a director's vision, like stylistically, thematically, and emotionally, but they're very different movies. And so I feel like as much as Fresh was really interesting and kind of bright and colorful and interesting for a horror movie. Yeah. This movie is dreariness incarnate, but it's so fucking good. I love this movie. And I love the philosophical debate of this movie of like yes. nihilism versus optimism and like Morgan Freeman mostly having the same philosophy as the killer up until the end and then, you know, decides to start fighting or whatever. Well, and, and to be honest with you, I think there's that conversation that Brad Pitt and uh, Morgan Freeman have in the bar before yeah. Yeah. the end of the movie that I think to me is pretty revealing where I think Brad Pitt is kind of right. I, I agree. Yeah, I don't think he's as nihilistic as as he's portraying himself to be i think that he is upset that people don't care because he does care yeah and cares almost too much to the point where it's impacting him i really related to him on that with like work because like i feel like when i was younger i related way more to like the brad pitt character and then i guess this is just like work burnout because now i feel way more like the morgan freeman character where like i do care but i'm like super burned out and make a ton of like dark statement yeah i mean morgan freeman's <laughs> yeah. been doing it for like 30 years right so like he has seen right. the darkest side of what i am assuming is supposed to be new york city although they never say it, I, it, it here's what's weird in my mind it's gotham i know it is no, new york I, city i'm kind of with you Paige. it's, but like it's a, got such a gotham vibe that i'm just like yes well, and i think yeah. they never say it on purpose but in my mind like they have an l like an elevated subway so it's either yeah. new york or chicago and they don't have an upstate in chicago you know like yeah, new york yeah. does so that's why i thought new york I, for some reason, had completely forgotten about the the subway part. Yeah. And had always thought this was in Los Angeles, like Zodiac. Dude, fuck. Zodiac is... Yeah. Now, fuck. watching it, I'm like, no, this is clearly either New York or mythical Gotham, but yeah. it feels more like Gotham to me with all the rain and everything. I'm fine with it being Gotham. I, I have no problem with that. But this is also... This movie is why I liked the first two hours of the new Batman movie a lot. Yeah. And didn't like the last hour. <laughs> I completely get that. You know, rewatching, I just... You know, speaking of True Detective, like how influential this film is to so other much. pop culture movies moving forward yeah i mean if, if you look at what fincher's done he's he probably directed 50 things like he's he's done so so much but like i still haven't forgiven him for alien 3 i also <laughs> hate alien 3 yeah but i mean he did gone girl he did the mine hunter series like all of that shit he did house of cards which i realize is also kevin spacey and problematic because of that but if you look at the style of house of cards it's very like very good oh he also did zodiac yeah no he did zodiac yeah yeah, yeah. i totally forgot that i was like oh yeah, oh, no, yeah he has right. a very like specific style he also he also did Fight Club. Reznor, yeah fight club he gives trent Reznor kind of his first yeah his first chance to do like and this is one of the first times uh, Nine Inch Nails gets used in a movie. Like it's a, there's a couple other movies like Natural Born Killers and a couple others do it first, but this one has a lot of Nine Inch Nails in it. It does, yeah. And then he goes on to have Trent Reznor entirely score Social Network, which he then wins for. So like that's a, a partnership that exists throughout the bulk of Fincher's careers. Yeah, I mean, and Trent Reznor will be doing that forever because the Social Network oh, was yeah. huge, and the score to that is amazing. And he's done a bunch of Fincher stuff after that. So like, yeah, absolutely. But yeah. This is like one of those movies where I was like not expecting to like it because it was supposed to be like scary and it, I didn't find it super scary. Hated the body horror quote unquote stuff in it. But like everything else I thought was like so well done. It won me over in the end. Yeah. I, I mean, I've never thought this was scary, but I, I thought I think this is one of the best like police movies. Yeah. I'll give it tense, I guess. Yeah. That body horror is no joke, though. Yeah. 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 If body horror gets you, this could really fuck you up. Oh, yeah. It's bad. Yeah. Body horror 
it's not what really kicks the movie up the scary scale for me. Like it yeah. definitely isn't a one, but it wasn't that yeah. scary. And it was just I was so charmed by the movie, not necessarily by like Brad Pitt or, you know, Kevin Spacey or the like the main characters like Morgan Freeman or anybody. But like just the movie overall front to back was like so well done and everything was so intentional. And I love that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So do you guys want to talk about it? You want to get into it so we can talk about it scene by scene? Let's do it. Let's do it. I'm really sad that I made my seven, eight, nine joke last week. Oh, and I left that in, by the way. I know. You can use it again this week, and I'll probably still laugh. Uh, It's too late. It's gone. So we open (laughs) on Morgan Freeman in his kitchen, and as he walks through his house, kind of getting ready for the day that morning, we do see a lot of stuff around his house that kind of informs us about the character he's going to be. He passes a chessboard in progress on the foreground. As he gets dressed for work, he lays out his outfits meticulously, and we see that he's a police detective. Yeah. Um, I think the chessboard is really important because I think for him, he has that analytical puzzle mind and the whole of this movie as much as it is about Brad Pitt is really an analytical battle between him and Kevin Spacey's character yeah two very similar people literally at odds of like who is going to figure who out we cut to the first crime scene and this is not any of the seven one it's basically just Brad Pitt's first crime scene on the job and we find out that the neighbors heard screaming and the gun went off and as Morgan Freeman's walking through the crime scene he notices drawings on the fridge and so he asks if the kids saw it and no one is even bothered to look for the kid or see if there's a kid around or check on the kid and it does bother him and you immediately kind of notice it yeah so we cut to Morgan Freeman's leaving the scene and Brad Pitt arrives. He's the new detective in town and he wants to get started and get to the precinct. And he's essentially replacing Morgan Freeman's character at the precinct. He's going to take over that job. Yeah, because Morgan Freeman's getting too old for this shit and he's retiring in seven days or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. And here's a picture of the house that I'm going to restore on the... Yeah. <laughs> I do love his journey through this. And I honestly, I love his like, I'm out of here energy that he has like the first half of this movie because when they go to Gluttony's house, right? And they see him yeah. and then he gets back and he's like, I can't do this for you. Like this is going to take longer than seven days and I'm a ghost after that. So like, yeah. and also don't give it to that guy. <laughs> right. I fucking love that. And to be honest, because he and Brad Pitt are in different parts of their journeys. They're kind of opposites. Yeah. He is methodical and slow and calculating mm-hmm. and questioning. And Brad Pitt is all emotion. And you have to wonder at the end of the movie, is Brad Pitt the kind of cop that Morgan Freeman used to be and he is tempered by the trauma of his job, essentially? Yes. The answer is yes. Yeah, I 100% agree. Like, I think that that is what is going on. And I think through Brad Pitt sort of rubbing off on him, that's why Morgan Freeman becomes the Batman at the end of this movie. I like one of the alternative endings better because I feel like it messes with these themes a little bit better. And we we can get into it when Paige talks about that. Okay, we'll talk about it later. Okay, cool. Yeah, I mean... It's interesting. I like the ending as is, and I think they they chose it very specifically. I think Fincher chose it specifically because he he is confronted with the option for different endings and ultimately chooses this one. I mean, he directed it. It was his call, I'd imagine. It was not for a lot of it. It's, really? Th- this movie was also almost very, very different. Yes. Wow. Okay. Um, 
and it it takes him and Brad Pitt fighting for this ending. Oh yeah, wow! This is okay. the movie that got Fincher and probably Pitt a lot of star, like a lot of mm-hmm. oomph. I'll talk about it in fun facts because David Fincher almost never directed again after Alien Three, and this is the movie that saves his career. Okay. Yeah. So he starts asking Brad Pitt, like, "Why did you want to get transferred here?" Because in his mind, he's like, "This is a horrible job. <laughs> like, why did you fight to be here? You don't understand what you're getting." into yeah and brad pitt is all cockiness of like look i've worked in homicide for five years and he's like not here not in gotham (laughs) (laughs) but we cut to morgan freeman going home at the end of the day alone he turns on a metronome to fall asleep and he starts to fall asleep to the sound of the city and the credits roll. Over the credits, we see the killer prepping and highlighting and sharpieing and binding his manifesto. These credits are actually really important. We'll talk about it in fun facts, but the guy who made these credits was unknown at the time, and now he's like the guy. He's like the credits guy? Yes. Nice. Like He's like the credit dude. Um, so we'll talk about him in fun facts. Okay, cool. We'll give him credit. <laughs> yeah. We cut to Gwyneth Paltrow and Brad Pitt's apartment where they are asleep. They're clearly not even unpacked. He gets up. He puts on a wrinkled shirt and a tie. He answers the phone and writes down information. He is off to work immediately. Um, But before he goes, she wakes up. We get our first instance of the subway literally rattling over their apartment. (laughs) And he meets up with Morgan Freeman at the next crime scene. And it is pouring down rain. And it will continue to rain for basically the rest of this movie. I'll talk about that in fun facts as well. It's like 80% of the movie, they're in the rain. They're in the rain. 80% yeah. chance of rain. <laughs> so he meets up with Morgan Freeman at the crime scene. It's pouring down rain. And they walk into the house, which looks like the house of a hoarder. And to be honest, like every crime scene in this movie is very dirty and grimy, I think, by design. Oh, it, it has to be because codes, I you know, even going to the nastiest places in Nash, even like I've gone to like really nasty places in Nashville, and like they don't look like Gotham rundown nasty places. You know, they just look like a little rundown. They don't look like yeah. These places have like the tiles hanging off and water yes. everywhere, and like rats <laughs> running down the hall. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like a legion of roaches. Every single place they go into looks like Arkham Asylum. Like yes, it's, yes. It's the madness. codes department for Gotham is not operating currently. Their Zillow must be terrifying. <laughs> like- you can get a lot of property there. It's like a, you can get a lot of bank. For your buck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But they walk into the kitchen, which is covered in roaches, which is ugh. and as they pass through, the original officers who attended to the scene, they haven't called forensics. They haven't even checked to see if he's alive. That's how apathetic they are. And they're like, Well, he would have moved if he was alive. And it's like, not if he had a stroke or like that. There's a million things that could have happened to this person who is a person, and you just let him sit there. Right. But it is very clear once they come in that he is dead and he has been dead for some time. Which I love. I guess it's just watching this movie as an old person. And then like doing crisis work mm-hmm. for this long is just like that apathy and that like yeah. that like gallows humor and then like that just like burnout like it just eats at you year over year and then like i was like oh like when i was a kid uh, like when i was like a college kid i was like oh these guys are assholes and now i'm like yeah i could i could i could see so i, could, I you can i can understand a little bit more of like this is what they do every day and you're yeah. just like it's a rough it's a rough kind of thing dealing with that kind of darkness dealing with the darkest in people every day would be soul crushing yeah it is 
it is. <laughs> yeah, I understand Morgan Freeman's view of it, though, where he's kind of disgusted by that because in oh, his yeah. mind, they are still people. Like, that's why I think he's not as nihilistic as he purports no, himself he to totally, be. That's why I liked him because yeah. I, I like I like that I'm burned out, but I also still care. So I'm just like, yeah, I get it, but you still have to do this, assholes. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So as they assess the crime scene, because Brad Pitt is like, this doesn't look like murder. Why did you call us? And they look under the table and A, find a bucket of vomit, which is real gross. Uh, But B, they find that he has been tied to the chair with barbed wire. Yeah. And and clearly was not feeding himself. Clearly he was force fed. Well, I mean, you don't tie yourself to a chair with barbed wire. Like with bar- You physically could not. Yeah. And Brad Pitt is in the middle of telling a story. He never finishes it, but essentially he's implying that they found a guy stabbed in the back and the guy had like positioned the knife and stabbed himself, which I was like, <laughs> I want to hear the end of that. Actually. I know. Like, I want to see that story. Right. <laughs> so... He, as they're going through, as it's clear that it is a murder, they need to preserve the scene. He sends Brad Pitt out to go question the neighbors as he waits for forensics. And as they drive away from the scene, Brad Pitt's kind of pissed about it because he's like, look, I don't I'm not a beat cop. I don't knock on doors. I'm a detective. And I I think (laughs) I love the way. He brings that up because it's like my badge says the same thing your badge does. And like right. he's like, I know you have my file. I know you saw what I can do. And Morgan Freeman's like, I didn't read that shit, bro. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Brad Pitt comes in with like this, I'm as good as you are, respect me vibe. And Morgan Freeman's like, No. No. <laughs> and I I loved it. I loved it so much. I was very mean to someone one time, but they were being a douchebag where I was uh, headlining a, a small show at at like the smaller room of a club and they had put a couple newer comics on first to kind of pad out the show and one of them was just a complete asshole like he was just like I don't know why they got like who whoever this no name is headlining the show just like stomping around as if he was hot shit and <laughs> saying it to my face not realizing that it was me oh, headlining the show the no didn't know <laughs> did not Idiot. know and he went up and bombed and then came back down and then kept talking shit and i was like no and he's like who the fuck is this headliner anyway and i was like me i'm the headliner and he was like oh, you should tell them I, like, give the booker my name. And I was like, I don't even remember your name. And then I walked up and crushed for 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and it felt oh, that's amazing. so great. Pulling it that Don Draper shit on that guy. So great. I was like, yes, hand me a whiskey. Paige. It was great. I love that. <laughs> it was a level of petty that I know you aspire to. Exactly. Exactly. Because I didn't say anything else to him other than just like, I don't even know your name. I don't know who you are. <laughs> so Morgan Freeman is kind of just like, shut your hole. Like, stop it. No. Uh, they get to the autopsy for the body. And this is where they find out that he's been dead for a long time and that he had not been outside in some time. But what they kind of reveal killed him was that his interior wall of his stomach and intestines and all the muscles tore. So essentially he was hemorrhaging internally. Well, because he was like eating so much spaghetti and then the killer kicked him in the stomach. Yeah. 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 And then the spaghetti leaked out. (laughs) 
I'm sorry. What what are, you, what are you trying to say? Spaghetti. It's trying. He's trying to say spaghetti, but his bad Italian is even worse than normal. It's it's a me, a spaghetti. It's a me. <laughs> I got kicked out of the stomach of that guy. It's a me, a manicotti. Uh, so I, okay. What food could you eat until you died? Pizza. pizza. Fuck! I had pizza tonight. <laughs> wings, maybe. I, wings or pizza. It it would be pizza for me. Fucking Texas Day Brazil. <laughs> Just I bob wired in. The green <laughs> buttons are surrounding my body. <laughs> There's this like restaurant back home that used to serve this stuff, where it's it's almost like a fried flatbread with like gorgonzola in it, and it's amazing. And then you fill it with bruschetta. <gasps> and when that restaurant closed, they sold the recipe to another restaurant. So whenever I go home, I eat it. And I have eaten myself into painful shits with oh. that stuff. Because I like my body does not want to stop eating it. It's so good. Detective Brad Pitt, this man died of eating 2,700 twice scalloped potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> I could just see Mikey at a table and like, you know, he's holding his like green and yellow like meat. I want meat or I don't want meat flipper thing. And every time he goes to flip it to red, the killer like points the gun back at him again. And he's like, oh, okay, I'll just leave it on green. I'm sorry. Bring the lamb. Bring the lamb. <laughs> I'm just picturing his dead body where they have to like pull the green card from his rigor mortis fingers. <laughs> <laughs> it's glued to his head. Hand. Yeah, he could either stop eating meat or call for help, and he chose to call for more meat. He chose to eat meat until he died. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna die how I lived, sweating. <laughs> <laughs> they cut off his nose to feed his face. Ew, and they brined it, and then did like a slow roast. It was great. Ugh. There's something written on the wall. It says. I got your nose. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been fucking hilarious if they did that in this movie. Yeah, but the killer's humorless in this movie. He's like the least oh, fun ever. That's like the worst part of him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why can't we get a killer that's got some pizzazz? You know, we like, did last week, fun. and then oh, you guys okay. were shitting all over me about it. <laughs> yeah, because you're like, it's a romance. I did not yeah. say it was a romance. I said it was a dark comedy. This is the first time you've acknowledged he was a killer. Yeah. Bella. I want everyone to go back and re-listen to the Fresh episode because I know you've already listened to it. But listen for any time that Paige doesn't talk positively about Sebastian Stan's character. <laughs> not even the actor. Zero times. The character. Yeah. He's yeah. very successful in that film. I think my favorite part of this film is like, it's like what? This is like 95, 94? It's 95. It's 95. And they're like, the world's so dark. And I was like, bitch, we haven't even gotten to like, oh man. <laughs> Wait till we hit the 2000s, oh, baby. Yeah. We're on. <laughs> I was alive in 95. I mean, I was like a, I was like a child ass child, but like, I remember it being a lot better than this and i was poor as shit yeah because they're like look how bad the world is i'm like man this would have been great oh yeah are you kidding me yeah, yeah. <laughs> if the worst news was this dude killing seven people we were like in a great day yeah hey, we'd be like oh it's like a 70s throwback <laughs> <laughs> the seven killer what is that a baby story <laughs> <laughs> anyway what they reveal is essentially that he was force fed Ugh. uh until he he passed out and then the killer kicked him which caused him to hemorrhage internally and that killed him and he looks gross i mean he's dead he's very dead it is definitely uh-oh spaghetti well, and it's because he's, he's oh jesus <laughs> son of a bitch that is amazing 
Chef Boyardee was like, no, it wasn't at me. It wasn't at me. Your fingerprints are all over this, Boyardee. <laughs> I want my lawyer. Um, oh, man. I mean, it was canned pasta. There's no way. It's it's canned pasta sauce, but it must have been like SpaghettiOs or yeah. something because he's not boiling but like pots of water. Yeah, it had to be canned spaghetti. Pasta 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 pasta. <laughs> I'm just saying Chef Boyardee got away with this murder. <laughs> Has anyone ever seen him and Kevin Spacey in the same room at the same time? No? Chef Boyardee shaved off his fingertips. They're boiled off. Yeah, what happened is they actually burned off because he doesn't like to wear gloves when he cooks. Yeah. <laughs> Our new flavor, all the fingertips. Uh, <laughs> you heard it as fingertips, and these are the fingertips. <laughs> these are the fingertips. Man, I can't do accents for shit. <laughs> my, new, my new apostle, Regret Alonely. <laughs> Regret Alonely? Is that what you just said? Holy shit. Mikey, that is how I describe your dating life. Well, he's got a lot of regret and he's currently very lonely. Regret alone. <laughs> what is it? It's just sadness wrapped in pasta shell and cheese shoved in. It's so good. It's any kind of pasta you want, but it's where you have to go to Olive Garden alone and then they put cheese on it and they're like, say when, and you just never say when. <laughs> you just stare them down. Yeah. You say when. That was actually John Doe's. He was an Olive Garden waiter and that it, this was all just unlimited soup salad and breadsticks for everyone. Olive Garden. Uh, when you're here, you're lonely. Oh, sometimes. <laughs> have you looked out there in the world? All the seven sins. Look at the non-smoking section. <laughs> Look at the smoking section. They would have had a smoking section in 95. They it's did in 95, yeah. yeah. It's a called intelligent humor, right? My, my <laughs> yeah, honestly, when I describe our different humor styles, I always describe yours as intelligent. <laughs> Absolutely. Why wouldn't it be? Clear, clearly, I'm the one with the puns. I, for the rest of this episode, I'm going to be picturing John Doe as Chef Boyardee, like with him with like the hat, on, like the chef's hat on, and like yeah. the apron. I'm a yeah. taking your picture here. I'm a photographer. <laughs> I got a bunch of pasta sauce all over me. This is not a blood. Yeah, his name is John Doe, but it's spelled G I A N. But Doe like pizza dough. He's well. Educated, <laughs> independently wealthy, and smells like oregano. <laughs> when he was a young adult, he started the Chef Boyardee line, and now he can do whatever he wants. He's got oh. murder seven people money. Ooh. <laughs> it's going to start with seven and end up at Topio Cero. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, okay, so Chef Boyardee killed this man. Um, but he does, they do reveal that they found a receipt, so he had to take a second trip to the supermarket <laughs> to buy m more cans of pasta. That was so funny to me that, like, he was like, fuck, he ate? Like, as a murderer, <laughs> you plan, like, he's been planning this for months, and he, like, got outsmarted by how much this dude could eat. Like, think about how pissed I would be if I came over to Mikey's house fully intending to kill him with Chef Boyardee pasta, and he was uh -huh. like, oh, you only brought 12 cans? <laughs> That's just a Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> Mini ravioli? <laughs> Buckle up, bitch. Exactly. Holy cannoli. <laughs> <laughs> did you say holy cannoli? <laughs> yeah, I did. Um, that would be like if it. you tried to kill Mikey and I with wings yeah. and ordered your normal amount of wings <laughs> yeah. and we would just be there 
barbed wire to the table like, bring it, bitch. I, I would show up with barbed. Give me the wings. I'd show up with barbed wire and 25 wings and you'd be like, oh, are you not going to have any? Are, is this just for me? Is, is Mikey going to have some too? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> what, do I have to eat the barbed wire? They have a, they have a, new, a new special at Wingstop. Wingstop alert. They're not sponsoring us still. Tweet at them again. Just for fun. Wingstop alert. Wingstop. They have a new special where you just get 20 boneless Ooh, wings. I could eat that for a week. Oh my God, Todd. And you, get to pick four, you get to pick four flavors. Oh, yeah. He's like protein perfect. cube. I only eat one of these per day. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite flavor is retigalone, lonely, or whatever Mikey said. <laughs> retigalone. It's no, it's regret alone. Regret alone. Regret alone. Yeah. Regret I'm gonna start calling Wingstop when Natalie's out of the house. Being like, do you guys have any more regret alone flavor, sir? Be no. Like, no. You, you sound white, though, so we're going to just send you garlic parmesan because we know that's what you want. Oh, he had to go back to the grocery store because he forgot that the SpaghettiOs pair really well with like a blended red. <laughs> I love that Mikey knows the best wine for SpaghettiOs. It's the BevMo Penny wine sale. <laughs> He's just sitting across from the table, like forcing the guy to eat just like a bottle of red, a bottle of white. It all depends upon your appetite. And the guy's like, please let me go. Um, terrible, <laughs> horrible, terrifying film. Now I'm just picturing Chef Boyardee thinking this is like a romantic evening with his boyfriend. Yeah, <laughs> and he's like, I'll got take a candle it lit. He's getting, you like... want. <laughs> when the moon yeah. hits your eye like a big spaghetti pie, <laughs> you're a murder. Oh, Mikey's singing, quote unquote, also <laughs> sounds as bad as his accent, quote unquote. I'm just picturing <laughs> Arkham Asylum where it's like the Penguin, the Joker, <laughs> Chef Boyardee, <laughs> Boyardee, <laughs> Bon Appetit. <laughs> <laughs> My pre-written SpaghettiOs joke has gotten us real far this podcast. I mean, we talked about it for about as long as we talked about people jerking off with the Winter Soldier's arm, so. Oh my God, I left all of that in. I know. <laughs> I've heard the episode. I know that by the time this comes out, everyone listening to this will have oh, heard yeah. it. But when we're recording this, it's not out yet. And I'm just like, yikes. Fuck, I can't believe I left in my terrible The Fugitive <laughs> joke. It was worth it. It was worth it. I still haven't gotten any DMs because no one's heard it. I'm sure I'm going to get lit up on Monday. Lit up like that arm in the oven. <laughs> and I'm going to be like, listen, it's not my fault. You're regret alone. Regret alone. So as they're kind of evaluating the autopsy, they go to the captain's office and Morgan Freeman is like, this is the beginning. Yeah. This is not a standalone killer. There's no motive. There's nothing. You don't spend this much money on SpaghettiOs unless you're planning a lot more than than just this yeah he spent eight dollars <laughs> he he bought a thousand cans <laughs> if, i mean imagine how much he could have like he would have saved a lot more money if he had just used like craft mac and cheese a ramen i love, I love craft mac same and page i grew up on it because it's so cheap but it's like oh so good it's still only like a dollar a box i know and that's with inflation yeah i know at Costco, you can buy them in uh, like cases of 18. Oh my God. Do you ever double the butter in the recipe? Oh. I almost always double the butter. Yes. Um, and for a while, I had blue cheese powder. I need to get some the oh, next time I'm in Portland. Page. Oh, fuck, Paige. Yes. And I would add it to it. 
Yeah. Now I'm going to end up like the spaghetti guy. I, hey, of the of the ways to die in this movie, yeah, probably choose that one. Anything's better than lust. I'd probably choose the lose your nose and then call for help. Yeah, that's true. Oh, I'd yeah, because I would just help. call for help, right? Uh, yes, yeah. I would yeah. call for help. <laughs> I'd just be like, make me look like the Red Skull. Let's I'm like, uh, they totally have ways to make you look like you have a nose again. You're going to have to grow an extra nose on your tip, but then it's going to look amazing. <laughs> and your boob will smell wonderful. <laughs> I thought those were not, It's not going to smell good. It's going to smell well. Like, you know, good, well. Right. Like, it's not, uh, right. you know, it's actually doing it. Yeah. Make me look like one of your comic book villains. <laughs> we can only find a toucan's nose for him. <laughs> well, I fucking love Fruit Loops, so let's yeah. party. Let's roll those dice. So Morgan Freeman wants to be reassigned because he's just like, he's definitely going to kill a bunch more people and I ain't got time for this shit. Yeah, I'm quitting. I'm going to a farm somewhere. Like, he literally is talking about going to yeah. a farm. I'm going I'm going to a farm upstate where I can run. Yeah. <laughs> he's going to detective heaven. Meanwhile, when Kevin Spacey starts shooting them when he's coming home from the grocery store down the hallway, Morgan Freeman's like, "Oh shit, I better walk outside." <laughs> he he reacts the way Gene Wilder reacts to all the deaths in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Just like, "No, stop, don't." All right, I guess I'm following down these stairs. He's like, I got so much paperwork I got to do back at the office. Yeah, five floor walk up. (laughs) I hate Gotham. (laughs) (laughs) He's just listening to the metronome like, I'm darkness. I am the night. (laughs) I am the hat of flavor. I am Boyardee. (laughs) <laughs> they just turn on the spotlight and it's just a chef's hat in the in the clouds <laughs> he struck again no he's the villain oh that's right See, sorry, sorry 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 yeah, yeah. what's terrible my brain was like yeah it should just be a spaghettio in the light and i was like that's just a circle yeah, you dumb what bitch. you just described is also a lifesaver a lifesaver that you would save someone with that's in the ocean <laughs> a ring <laughs> it's just, is there a target opening what is that <laughs> we need your help morgan freeman the alphabet soup killer has struck a <laughs> it's just various like Chef Boyardee canned pastas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one, there's like a guy dead with like the pasta dribbling out of his mouth and it just spells boobs on his cheek. They're like, we think he was just having fun with this one. <laughs> or just, ah. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> They'll pay for their sins. They will regret alone. Yeah. <laughs> I never think anyone's having as much fun listening as we are talking. <laughs> <laughs> I always, whenever we start other. at a very, a very serious movie like this, I'm like, man, I, we're gonna have to find the funny somewhere. And then, lo and behold, we're like, Chef Boyardee is a fucking murderer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you account for like diabetes and shit that kills people, I'm sure Chef Boyardee has killed thousands of people. I mean, probably about as much as Kraft Mac and Cheese. <laughs> <laughs> so, if you had to pick one, do you think Mussolini killed more people or Chef Boyardee? Oh, Chef. No. Are you, are you, wait, hang on. Are you only asking because they're both Italian? Yes, of yeah. course. He only knows two Italian people. He, three if you count Mario. And oh. not even Batali, just the plumber one. Um, yeah. It's a me, a Mussolini. <laughs> it's a me, a Mussolini. All right, now I just need someone to take Mussolini's face, put Mario's hat and mustache on it, and make that shirt. It's a me, a Mussolini. Mm. We will unleash. Italy's greatest weapon, beefaroni. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> a kind of pasta. I do like thinking that Chef Boyardee was part of like Italy's MK Ultra, and <laughs> they are just slowly poisoning all of us. He's our oregano candidate. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of our manicotti candidate, instead of the Manchurian candidate, yes, it's our manicotti candidate. I mean, Chef Boyardee's not running for president; he already was president. (laughs) (laughs) I'm running for head chef Boyardee. I've been a sous chef all my life. Um, I I would say purely by virtue of. Well, I think it'd be hard to prove that Chef Boyardee was solely responsible for deaths. So I'm going to say Mussolini. Yeah, I agree with that. That's fair. I can't believe you actually thought you needed to answer that question. You're welcome. I respect that you did. You're like, just to, you know, close the loop on Mikey's bonkers-ass question, let me go ahead and choose Mussolini. I answered, uh... I'm full of dragon fruit Fanta. Let's go. (laughs) You might find this hard to believe, but Mm. I'm not allowed to be this dumb in any other part of my life. <laughs> yeah, no, we just embrace the stupid on this podcast for sure. It says in your chart that you have depression, but I like to call it the sad and lonely. <laughs> you got the sad and lonely. Oh, that'd be terrible, but it would perk me right up. Does it sound better in my Chef Borardis slash Mario slash Mussolini accent? No. You can just say Italian, Mikey. <laughs> That's race. <laughs> yeah, what I'm saying is <laughs> Made from scratch, Adams. (laughs) So dumb. We're still on the first kill. Shit. We're fucked. So they get fast (laughs) after three. They do get fast after three. Uh, Essentially, Morgan Freeman doesn't want to do this anymore. So Brad Pitt's like, "Give it to me. Let me handle it." And I'm just like, "Oh my god, '90s Brad Pitt was so fucking hot." (laughs) That is not what you should have taken away from that scene. But whatever. I'll say this. Brad Pitt is the reason everyone else in the 90s thought they could pull off a goatee, and Brad Pitt was the and only one. Yeah. He's the only yeah. one. We're looking at you, guy from Sugar Ray. <laughs> We're looking at you, me from 2007. <laughs> no, Todd, no. Mikey, yes. If you ever could find the first pictures of Blackwater James back before we like were signed and it was just three of us we were like a three piece there's a photo of me with like long hair and a goatee and it looks like I should be in jail oh my god I just thought of something what Professor Boriarty <laughs> <laughs> yes Mikey fuck yes I love it he's a mastermind I fucking hate it in the best way holy shit no what we do is we revamp the seven universe and like we do other films like this and we realize that it's professor boriarty behind the scenes like helping controlling the jolly green giant and sugar smacks frog like what are we doing he's like helping john doe's set up their murder sprees right that's what moriarty does like he's the guy behind the guy who's doing the crimes right so like that's what professor boriarty would do he was like i don't care how many you kill as long as you use a pasta the victim has <laughs> ocular contusions caused by raviolis thrown as ninja stars <laughs> he's got franks and beans coming out of his nose <laughs> oh. I, I i can go pretty deep on the chef Boardy uh lore here so i will save this for the rest of the movie oh, oh my god okay anyway so they don't reassign Morgan Freeman. He has to stay with the gluttony case, uh, which we don't know is the gluttony case yet. Uh, And Brad Pitt is going to be reassigned. And so we get a small title card that says Tuesday, because all of this happens within seven days. Which is what people say when they have to work with me for a day. They're like, oh, I'm stuck with the gluttony case. (laughs) 
<laughs> and, you, and you're over, you're over there like, Hello. have you heard of Professor Boyardee? <laughs> he doesn't Boyardee? even warm the cans up. He's just sitting there. How did she die? Blunt force trauma to the head. From what? This can of beefaroni. <laughs> I threw it from across the break room. Oh my God. Anyway, so... We cut to the next day. Brad Pitt's going to the next crime scene, and this is Greed, where it's a defense attorney who's been found dead, and he has literally been bled out, and they used his blood to write Greed on the floor. What we'll find out later is that he was forced to cut a pound of flesh from his own body. Honestly, some of that shit was so cool. Like, some of the way they incorporated the seven deadly sins was, like, super Mm -hmm. cool. The pound of flesh, thought that was cool as shit. I really loved that they showed, like, the Greed written out on the carpet. That shit was so cool. Like, I was very impressed with the, like the imagery of that was very cool. Kind of looked like he lost a piece of his flank to Sir Chomps a lot. <laughs> is, is this a new character in your your Professor Boyardee universe? Sir Chomps a lot was the mini ravioli character yes. for Chef Boyardee. <laughs> he was like the little alligator character. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! Why do I remember Why is he that? An alligator. What is happening? Because you have to have a mouth that that wide to eat all the ravioli in one bite. Regular ravioli. That's why there's mini ravioli. I was a child. I can't fit a giant ass ravioli. Now you can, Mikey. Regret regret lonely in my house. Now now is the time that I should probably confess something. I've never eaten Chef Boyardee because I grew up Italian, so we just made pasta. <laughs> yeah, it must have been nice to be rich, Paige. <laughs> it's not rich. It actually costs less than buying Chef Boyardee. That's fair. Oh, I man. find that hard to believe. <laughs> All of this is just from cultural touchstones. I'm like Todd, who has heard of a movie, and I'm going to joke about it. <laughs> so we cut back to the police station, and Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman, uh, or I'm sorry, Morgan Freeman and the captain are talking about Morgan Freeman leaving. And the captain's like, you're not going to really leave. And he's like, I'm going to a farm upstate where I could run and chase rabbits as far as the eye can see. <laughs> but essentially, this is where he kind of gives his the- thesis statement of like, a guy was attacked four blocks from here the other day, and the attacker stabbed both his eyes out and killed the dog. And it was like a whole thing. Yeah, terrible. And I don't understand this world anymore. And I don't know what to do. And the captain's like, but you were made for solving those cases. He's like, yeah, but it's hurting me to do it, essentially. Yeah. I feel that, Morgan Freeman. I feel that. I mean, that's a real thing. And I know, Mikey, you deal with this. One of my best friend's dads growing up was an EMT and did the job for like 20 years and like just had to stop and do something else because it was like affecting him, you know? Yeah. Like seeing these really tragic things that like you're going to and like like these graphic car accidents and just like shootings and all of that shit. Like I just remember him talking about how he... because. When I was in high school, he was shifting jobs. Mm. He was like, I just, I just can't do it anymore, you know, because it was so much all the time. No, I, th- I think I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> I think we have a lot of evidence to suggest that you're not. What? I mean, here's the thing. I can't, I can't throw stones from my glass cannibal house and argue that <laughs> I'm more sane than you. But I would say that maybe we should both talk to professionals. I talk to myself. Mm, not the same. It's cheaper. True. <laughs> and we like the same thing. <laughs> and you take your insurance. <laughs> yeah. I put me on a sliding scale, and that scale is an actual <laughs> slide. <laughs> it makes me happy whenever I go down it. Anyway, so th- this is where the coroner brings him these plastic shards that they can't figure out what they are. Um, but they 
basically found them in his stomach and he was fed those shards. So Morgan Freeman goes back to the crime scene and realizes that there are chunks of the linoleum from moving the fridge. Yeah. And as he pulls the fridge back, he sees written in grease behind the fridge the word gluttony. And a quote that says, long is the way and hard that out of hell leads up to light, which is from Paradise Lost. But if you want to do it in a fun way, you just add in bed at the end. <laughs> in bed. <laughs> Lucky numbers 07438295. Your four. Italian word of the day is regret alone. <laughs> It really bothered me that he grabbed this note with his bare ass hands. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, you're not going to look for Prince Freeman? Like, you've been a detective for like 30 years and you're touching everything with your hands? Idiot. Well, and we find out that it's a note from Milton... Uh, not not from Milton. It's Paradise Lost by Milton. Yeah. It's a quote from it. Um, But he, this is where Morgan Freeman's like, I fucking told you guys it's the beginning because gluttony, greed, sloth, pride, lust, and envy, the seven de- deadly sins, which as Morgan Freeman specifies later is primarily a Catholic thing, which signals they have kind of a red. Hold on. Sorry, beans for <laughs> It sounded like an alien spacecraft had come to L.A. Mom, mom, mom. I was like, damn, Paige must have had the bean ravioli. <laughs> we went to a cheese tasting last night, and now you can all hear about it. Um, Paige, we can all taste it. We've been talking for an hour about seven, and we've already created like this universe where Professor Boyardi is fighting other like grocery store cartoon characters in some like back alley sort of like good versus evil thing in the grocery yeah. store, and I'm here for it. Here's what I want. This is not what we've been talking about, but this is what I want in the world. Okay. I want an Adult Swim cartoon that is famous cartoon chefs and stuff in a uh, Iron Chef type competition. <laughs> I'm here for this. Name three cartoon chefs. <laughs> Chef for RD. Right? That's one. The Keebler Elves. Count Top Killer. He's count, a count, not hang a on, chef. Hang on. He just said Count Chopula, which honestly <laughs> is my favorite. What do you do? I cut the things. Count, <laughs> count Chopula is just like a royal dude with cleaver. <laughs> <laughs> it's cooking's his hobby. <laughs> Knife throwing. Just like Morgan Freeman, that's his pleasure. Passion. Yeah. Yeah, Keeper yeah, yeah. Elves. Um, Keeper elves don't count. What? It would be three Keebler elves in a trench coat. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to get into a rated R movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. With Chef Boyardi, he's got indelicate tastes. <laughs> All right. I guess you named three, although two of them were made up. Chef Boyardi's not made up. Well, yeah, but Count Chopula is made up. <laughs> but honestly, out of the three, my favorite. He's my favorite. Count Chopula is like the bone bat of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Count Chopula and Bone Bat gonna go have some wild adventures. I think we should make Count Chopula the villain in 14, the sequel to this movie. Okay, it could be any food mascot. All I'm seeing is like Tony the Tiger, and I don't want to tell you what I saw him doing. Um, Okay, do you guys know that Tony the Tiger is like a furry icon? Of course he is. Are you kidding me? A like built bipedal tiger? Yeah. There are a lot of people that want to fuck Tony the Tiger. If I had to fuck a mascot. Okay. And the brawny paper towel man was not available. (laughs) Tony the Tiger would be an adequate substitute, I guess. Who else would I? I mean, maybe Jolly Green Giant. 
another humanoid. I love that she didn't go Chef Boyardee. She's yeah. like, no, out of all the right other there. male like humanoid characters that she could fuck, she's like, no, nah, dog, I'm fucking that tiger. Well, first is Brawny Man. <laughs> Brawny Man's my number sure. one. Yeah, okay. you stand the Brawny Man. I get it. What about Mr. Clean? No, he's not my thing. He looks too much like Pitbull. <laughs> you would rather fuck a tiger. I just want to know that we're on the same page here. So, like, Bachelor number one, Chef Boyardee. Bachelor number two, Mr. Clean. Bachelor number three is a fucking cat. <laughs> and you're like, Bachelor number three, are you great? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, yes, I am great. <laughs> is your tongue sandpapery? Because that could be a problem. It 100% is. <laughs> oh, okay, maybe I need to reevaluate my choices. <laughs> but his shoulders, though. Is Betty Crocker, like, she got an icon? <laughs> what is that? What's her <laughs> no, it's just literally text. It's just a, a logo. Betty Crocker's not a real person. I'm sorry. Didn't mean to offend you and Tony the Tiger. <laughs> <laughs> We're very happy. We're registered at Creighton Peril. <laughs> then your name would be Paige the Tiger. You gotta take his last name. <laughs> okay, but his last name is not the Tiger. His last name is just Tiger. No, it's the Tiger. Uh, I'm gonna make him take my last name, Tony the Wesley, and he'll just have to deal with it. <laughs> He's changing his name to <laughs> Tony name. the Wesley. He <laughs> is all right. <laughs> <laughs> He's taken, ladies. <laughs> Bachelor number two, is your dick orange? <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Count Chapula is just like a regular dude, but his hands are meat cleavers. He's like Edward Scissorhands, but it's just meat cleavers. So he takes down notes, and this is where he notes that uh, most of these are based in Catholicism. And that's important because there will be a red herring halfway through this movie that they establish as being Baptist. And the people who don't know their seven deadly sins history are like, Clearly, that'd be a guy into the seven deadly sins. And it's like Protestants don't super do that often. Some of them do, but not not most of them. Yeah, literary. Or not all of them. Yeah, sure. But yeah. yeah. And we covered this on a cult podcast bonus episode back in the day. The seven deadly sins just come from Dante. They're not in the Bible anywhere. Yeah. Like it's it's just a Dante thing. Yeah. So uh, but he leaves an envelope with all that information on Mills's desk, uh, Brad Pitt's desk. We cut to the next day, Wednesday. And Brad Pitt has basically sent cops out to get him the cliff notes on those books. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. We cut to his office that now it used to be Morgan Freeman's. Now it's his. And they're basically sharing the office. Um, and his wife calls and wants to talk to Morgan Freeman to invite him over for dinner. So we cut to their dinner that night and have a good yeah they have a good time yeah i mean it sounds like they have a good time although this is where we really see the subway like yes. ruining that apartment yeah like it's an earthquake every time the subway goes by it's gonna ruin every single album they have because like they've yeah. got a turntable and i'm like that's scratching all your albums yeah and they're not fully unpacked but this is where she and morgan freeman kind of bond a little bit because he's the only person she knows in a new in gotham she hasn't met anyone else yeah so <laughs> Uh, but she asks some personal questions like, why aren't you married? And he's like, well, I got close, but it didn't happen. Yeah. And he says that everyone who spends time with me finds me disagreeable. Felt it. Felt this whole conversation. I love how Brad Pitt was like, yeah, he's absolutely right about that. I yeah. fucking hate this dude. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he won't let me go to Chef Boyardee's house and punch him in the face. <laughs> <laughs> but once dinner is over, they kind of pull out all their files for the cases and they're going over them together and they're trying to find a missing piece in the greed case that they haven't figured out yet. And what they find is the 
uh, district attorney's wife and they've drawn kind of blood glasses on her. Yeah. So that's where they're like, okay, this is something we don't understand. We need to go talk to her. So they go to talk to her and she was out of town at the time. They'd put her in a safe house. So they go out to talk to her that night. Like it's late. They don't care. We actually see that scene, right? Like she's just like crying her ass off because she's the safe house looks terrible yeah it it does but what they do is they're showing her the crime scene photos and they're like is anything stranger out of place and she's the one who reveals that the painting is upside down and she's also like you mean other than my husband's dead body missing half of his torso yeah that's sort of strange yes i I did not leave the word greed painted in his blood on the ground (laughs) i don't like what you're insinuating detective wait a minute that jar of tic-tac nose in the background <laughs> did you say tic tac nose? Yeah, I did. Oh my god, you genius. <laughs> Evil Chef Borati, Professor. Why does he sound like M. Bison now? <laughs> M. Bison cut off your nose and cooked it in pasta. For me, it was a Tuesday. Yeah, was, was Chef Boyardee showed up to your town and made everyone into pasta sauce and their bones into noodles. It was the worst day of your life. For me, it was, it was a Tuesday. Tuesday. <laughs> Anyway, so they Mm -hmm. they go back to the crime scene. They take the photo down or the painting down. They cut through the back of it. They can't figure it out until they get up on the wall and dust for prints. And the prints say, help me. Yeah. But they're not the victim's fingerprints and they're not in the system. Or at least it takes them a while to find them in the system. It takes, uh, I think, the whole rest of the day. Gotta run it through CODIS. (laughs) Porn was also slow at this time. (laughs) Was that you dialing up porn? Was that your sound effect for that? Dude, you were like eight. Nine eleven. <laughs> Mikey got started early. Did you say nine eleven, Paige? <laughs> <laughs> never forget. <laughs> Pierce Brosnan never saw justice. They just let him do the Thomas Crown affair. <laughs> like that was going to be a good movie. Like his head was an apple with a bowler hat on top of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! So they're waiting for the prince to come back, and this is where they snuggle. They snuggle. And fall asleep. But this is where Morgan Freeman is really laying out his kind of philosophy and why he's leaving the job of just like, we're compiling all of these things to put people behind bars, hopefully, and to have it be in court. But it's not really making the world better. So why are we doing it? Yeah. Uh, We cut to the next morning, Thursday, and they've gotten a hit on the prince. It's uh, a guy named Victor, but his name is actually Theodore Allen. And he has a long history of being arrested in relation to mental illness, but also in a case where it was an attempted rape of a minor and a lot of drug use. Yeah. And the reason they've pulled him is because he is also Southern Baptist. And so they think that that's why he's doing seven deadly sins. And Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt are both like, no, that's wrong. He's not our guy, but we got to go anyway. So I do love how like all the cops are like, fucking amped and like ready to go oh, it's like yeah. SWAT team and then it's like Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman telling the audience like this ain't fucking it dog we're only 40 minutes in this is definitely yeah, exactly. not the killer guys <laughs> not the guy. it's fine don't but worry SWAT about it do love doing that stuff oh I bet yeah. they do they just can't wait to break someone's door down so in the car on the way over it looks this is, really fun it does look really fun <laughs> I would love to do it consensually uh, anyway so on their way over to where Victor's last known address is Brad Pitt talks about how he's been in a shootout and watched one of his kind of fellow officers die in the ambulance well and he also killed no, I somebody thought it was he killed, I thought he killed somebody no 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 the guy gets shot in the arm 
No, he shot the guy. No, he shot, but he didn't hit anybody because he specifically says that he didn't hit anybody. So that he says that he's pulled out and shot once, but the guy who went in the door in front of him got shot in the arm yeah. and it spun him around like a top and that's who he ends up in the ambulance with and that guy dies. Uh, he died from getting shot in the arm? I would assume he bled out. Okay. I guess. Unlikely. I mean, it seems unlikely that someone, because the guy in the apartment opened fire. Yeah. Essentially is what happened. Anyway, but I think it's him being expressing some trepidation as to just going into this guns blazing. Right. Essentially. Like there are parts of being a detective I think would be fun. Like the puzzle solving part of it, like mm -hmm. trying to put piece together what happened, but like the guns ablazing shit, I wouldn't want to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, so they pull up to Victor's place, SWAT opens the door, they enter the apartment. It's a mess and there's air fresheners hanging from all the ceilings. And But there doesn't seem to be anybody there until they get back to the back bedroom where they believe that there's a corpse laying on the bed because he's not moving. They find a box with fecal samples, urine samples, and a phone every day or every few days at least for the last year to a day literally year to the day yeah so he's holding like 360 photos in his hand or 365 right, right? yeah yep and like it does show like the very first photo he looks like a normal person and then yes. the most recent photo looks like the guy in the bed who looks terrifying like this is like one of the more icky deaths I think in my mind well because he's not dead we find yes, out very right. soon in this scene that he coughs he is alive and they get him to the hospital but it's not going to be good and as no. they're leaving that crime scene they run into the photographer who's saying that he has a right to be there and this is where Brad Pitt basically tells him to fuck off yeah and they kind of get him to leave um but this is the conversation that he and morgan freeman have about him being led by emotions and morgan freeman being calm yeah but the photographer takes a few photos of them at like the top of that stairwell where they tell him to fuck off right yeah we cut to the hospital where we find out that essentially in order to keep him immobile for a year and it's a year of immobility uh he had been repeatedly and consistently drugged including antibiotics and the doctor is basically like he's he's not functional essentially and he chewed off his tongue a long time ago yeah the doctor literally says if you shined your flashlight in his eyes he would die from shock like he's on his way out yeah yeah just like sir choculant you mean count chopula <laughs> god Whatever. mikey you're like so close to saying the right thing but you always like <laughs> say it wrong I've always been cursed on never being able to say the right thing. For listeners, they're all nodding and using like a face my mom would use to convey judgment. What about this face? <laughs> it's not conveying judgment so much as I now understand why your love life has not been super successful to date. Look, that's fair. Look, I've just been walking up to women in the canned pasta aisle and telling them that they have nice cans, and I don't know why it's not working out for me. Hey, you've tried Chef Boyardee, but have you tried out Professor Boyardee? <laughs> I keep going up to girls in produce and being like, you could eat meat if you want to. I've got a sausage for you right here. Oh, oh you're vegan? It's also a mushroom. <laughs> I've got an impossible dick. <laughs> As in it's impossible for you to get anyone to touch it? <laughs> oh. Time for me to eat some more. Regret and lonely. Regret and lonely. <laughs> they pair well with blended tears. Pouring from my face into the bowl page. <laughs> uh, Tracy, Gwyneth Paltrow, calls 
Morgan Freeman and is like, I need someone to talk to you. Can you meet me somewhere tomorrow morning? You're the only person I know here. And he's like, okay. So he agrees to meet her the next day. That's weird though, right? Like, yeah, no, I, I related to this scene so much because I'm the kind of person that people are like, hey, random guy that I just met, I want to unload some like really serious shit on you all of a sudden. And can like you listen? And I'll be like, oh, eggs? Sure, I'll go to a place that serves <laughs> eggs. <laughs> I think you're focusing on the wrong part of the conversation, yeah. Mikey. I, any I excuse to go to a diner. Yeah, exactly. I one time sat across from a Quiznos as a girl pulled out a bag of pregnancy tests that were in various states of positive or negative, and I was like, there's pee on those, and this is a restaurant. Man, this is a Quiznos. <laughs> yeah. You should have been like, ma'am, you can't bring your own <laughs> toppings to Quiznos. <laughs> yes, I want no tomatoes, no olives, extra pregnancy tests. Hold the used pregnancy tests, please. I don't need any of that piss in my life. Oh, this is piss poor service. <laughs> they were the big ones, too, not the dollar store ones. Uh, anyway, they meet for breakfast in a diner. Oh, did you not know that there's tears of pregnancy tests? No, but I have been around a pregnancy test that caused tears. Yeah. Good for y'all for sticking around. You ever have a pregnancy test, Mikey? Oh, my God. Mikey, <laughs> Mikey, oh, my God. Oh, wow. The first test is sticking around. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've never felt worse than one time I was at the dollar store just buying weird shit because I was bored that day. And there was a girl in front of me and then a girl, a, a lady, an older woman at the cashier who was just like, now, how much is this? Can you take this off? I have a coupon. And I'm like, I don't even think they have coupons for the dollar store. And the girl directly in front of me had three pregnancy tests. And this lady was just taking her sweet ass time at the register. And I'm just like, steal them. <laughs> like yeah. don't wait for this lady just go just go run um and she did not but i was like that was probably a very stressful day for you ma'am i'm so sorry yeah and she probably had to pee real bad yeah she's <laughs> full of sunny tea <laughs> i don't know anyway so uh, i i didn't think this was weird because they've literally only been there like four days so she hasn't had time to meet anybody and that's real tough to go through alone especially if she wasn't ready to tell him yet that's, and i thought yeah. she was gonna ask him like job questions like is this going to affect him? Like, there's like place to be there. Or like, please take care of him and stuff like that. Yeah, I felt terrible because like it had been a while since I saw this movie and I was like, is Brad Pitt abusing her? And I forgot <laughs> about it because that's what I thought this conversation was going to be initially. Right? And then it was not. And I was like, thank goodness, I guess. But yeah, anyway, they have breakfast. She reveals that she's pregnant and he reveals that like, hey, I was in that position one time and we chose not to continue the pregnancy and I don't regret my choice, but I always think about what the alternative would have been. Yeah. And I always think about it. And so whatever you choose to do, if you choose to keep it, spoil them. Like enjoy having that child because like the world is hard enough at least have that child have a good experience while it's with you yeah and then he has to go he's like now that i'm out of eggs and i've told you to keep a baby i <laughs> i have to go now which is a very mikey move like, yeah. like uh, we're going dutch right right <laughs> you invited you me so you're covering this, this right yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah you... can i get these hash browns to go um but he gets back to the police station and they know that they have four left envy wrath pride and lust yeah and they're reviewing what the landlord had said about the guy that they just found sloth and they're like yeah never a complaint pays the rent on time so they know that the killer was like paying his rent and keeping him quiet so no one asked questions yeah 
because as long as you aren't annoying people or making waves, no one's going to ask questions. And this is also the place where Brad Pitt's like dismissive and it's just like, oh, this person's just crazy. And Morgan Freeman's like, no, that is dismissive. This is planned, which doesn't mean that he's not mentally ill. Mentally ill people plan stuff all the time. But this is you can't just dismiss this as random is what he's essentially saying. Yeah. Sociopaths can be smart. Yeah. Psychopaths. Look at Todd. I do fine. Yeah. That's not a normal human level of pettiness. Hey, Count Chopula has two degrees. (laughs) Uh, That's Count Chopula MBA. Thank you. Uh, Yeah. That's Dr. Count Chopula to you. Oh. I've completed my residency at this steakhouse. Um, we know you went to online school, Dr. Chopula. Why'd you say doctor like he was a chiropractor? Because uh, he went to online school. How did you even type with chopping utensils as fingers? Oh, wait. Now we've expanded the world and the lore of Count Chopula. Oh, yeah. When you went to go get ice, Mikey and I talked about what his hands would look like. And it's just like Edward Scissorhands, but with like with like cleavers. Meat cleavers. Yeah. He types like Morgan Freeman from this movie. Just like one finger at a time. He goes through laptops like a, every week. <laughs> anyway. He's like, God, the F key stuck to my meat cleaver again. Control alt. Damn it. Um. <laughs> he has to hit delete with his nose. If he had one. <laughs> Wait, what? He cut his nose off in an accident as a child. <laughs> to spice his face. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one to spice his face. <laughs> to smell the food better. <laughs> you idiot. That's why I cut my nose off. He's Take a Take it off and put it closer to the food. Anyway, so Morgan Freeman's like, how much money do you have? And takes him to essentially meet an informant from the FBI. He like bribes an FBI agent for, yes. mu- for uh, info. For library records of like who's checking out certain books. And cross-referencing that information, which is how they find the name Jonathan Doe, which is obviously a fake name. Clearly. But they have an address. So they go to the apartment and they knock on the door. No one's answering, but they look down the hall and someone's coming their way and shoots at them. And this kicks off a very long chase scene where Brad Pitt takes off and is chasing this dude through the apartment building, through apartments, out through the center, like, courtyard of the apartments. Very confusing Gotham chase. Yeah, very confusing Gotham chase. And then it'll just cut back to Morgan Freeman taking his sweet-ass time walking down those stairs. I love that, though, because, like, Brad Pitt tears down the hallway and Morgan Freeman's like, ah, shit. (laughs) Yeah. And I love that, like, people are coming out into the hallway and Brad Pitt's like, get the fuck out of the hallway, please. (laughs) I thought the please was very funny when he yelled it. Oh, he could yell please at me any day. Oh, I bet. (laughs) He's very not furry. Are you sure? Yeah. I've been attracted to plenty non-furry people on this show. Patrick Wilson, not not all that furry. But Watrick Pilsen, very furry. Watrick Pilsen, literally (laughs) a Bigfoot. (laughs) Watrick Pilsen is actually Tony the Tiger in a mask. (laughs) (gasps) It all comes together. They're possessed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) By the hunger for frosted flakes. (laughs) Anyway, so the chase culminates in the killer getting the better of Brad Pitt and pistol whipping him to the ground. And then he holds the gun to his head. He's about to shoot him. And Morgan Freeman calls out, which I think kind of scares him away because then there'd be a witness. Oh, I thought it was because he needed Brad Pitt to kill him later. Okay, so that gets into some of the alternate endings. Oh, okay. All right. Of in two of the alternate endings, he technically would not have need Brad needed Brad Pitt to kill him. However, for this ending, you do. 
And he does paint it as I made a specific choice to keep you alive. And we'll talk about it in fun facts where I think that's the most logical. But Morgan Freeman does also see him in this moment. So they go back up to the apartment. They kick the door in, even though they don't have a warrant. So then they go and find a, a person on the street and pay her to basically say that she saw the killer so that they can get a warrant to go into the apartment. And that apartment is wild. Yes, it is. Because, first of all, there's a giant pommel horse in the middle of it, like a gymnastics pommel horse. Well, that's how he got good at climbing garbage trucks. Oh, maybe. And then a bunch of BDSM stuff and carpentry yeah. stuff and like a red glowing cross above his bed. Yeah. All the walls are black. There's framed pieces of evidence. Uh, and then there's a ticket from a custom leather supply with a photo of a lady, which is going to come into play next. They go through the bathroom where he has a photography dark room. And this is where they find the crime scene photos and the photos of them on that stairwell after the third killing. Yeah, after the sloth killing. Yeah. So they know that it's the photographer and they had him and let him go. Yeah. They, because they've seen him, they give a uh, a sketch artist essentially the information they have and it comes out looking like that leprechaun draw. <laughs> it does. <laughs> if any of y'all saw Kevin Spacey say, yeah! 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 I have an authentic Kevin Spacey flute. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Bring me noodles. I want r- regret a lonely. <laughs> Could be Chef Boyardee who got hold to the wrong stuff. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Chef Boyardee, get out of that tree. Yeah. Will they, do, will they hold it up to the guy at the metal shop, uh, the, the the leather shop. I was so like, funny. shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's like Law and Order whenever they hold up a like picture or drawing of someone and they're like, yeah, I've seen him before, but then they just keep working as yeah. if they're not like... <laughs> I've seen him before, but these crates ain't gonna load themselves off the back of this bread truck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, These BDSM harnesses need to be priced. Uh, so <laughs> as they look through, they find a secret room that has 2,000 note books of just the killer's thoughts no dates no order just stream of consciousness yeah the phone rings they answer the phone and they manage to record him but it's basically him saying well now you've basically fucked my schedule but i'm you know proud of you i respect you more and more every day and i don't want to ruin the surprise and he hangs up so at this point they know based on the picture and the ticket to the leather place they have to follow that lead to their next potential murder and hopefully get there in time to stop it so they theorize that the blonde woman in the photo is a sex worker they go to the leather place and find out that the piece that he had special made was collected the night before but they do have a picture of it and he's like yeah i figured he was a performance artist or something like one of those guys that pisses in a cup on stage and drinks it you know performance art i don't know that kind of performance art no me neither i've always had to pay extra for that performance (laughs) art. (laughs) oh you've been visiting chef piss rd But he also says, I've made waiter, I've made weirder shit than that. And as he's talking to them, they get a call that says that they found the sex worker. I mean, also, no, you haven't. You have not made anything (laughs) weirder than a fucking strap on knife. I'm sure he has, actually. What? Yeah. I watch a whole TikTok of performance art where a guy just smashes pasta with wooden crate and stuff that he builds on his body there's weird shit out there man but like what could the strap on knife be used for that isn't mer well i guess okay so let's just say you're like a gallagher type sexy thing but you just go out there and <laughs> fuck the melons with your knife dick. i just answered my own question while i was asking it i'm sorry let's move yeah, on you did. yeah you've said in the sploosh zone <laughs> 
Oh, splash your knife jizz on me. Yeah, it would be amazing. I'd go see it. Anyway, they go to, and we haven't seen the picture of what he built yet. Right, that's they, true. They hold on to it until we get to the interrogation, but they go to a sex club and we we really don't see it close up and we don't see it in it's kind of blurred in the background, but the sex worker they've come to find is dead and mutilated on the bed. Yeah, I'm so glad we don't see the sex worker after they reveal what happened. Right. Just because, fuck, that would have been so brutal. Oh, yeah. And there's a man there who's clearly not doing well. Yeah. Very traumatized, very upset. And so we cut to two different interrogation rooms. There's the guy that runs the club and they're asking him questions. And then the guy that they pulled out of the room who was kind of traumatized. And as we get through this interrogation, we find out that the killer at gunpoint had him tie her up. Yeah. And then put on the knife dick and have sex with her because it was him or her. Essentially, like, I'm going to kill one of you. I don't think I could have done that. Oh, I think I would have rather died, maybe. Yeah. I would die like how I lived, trying to not fucking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I cannot wait to do your eulogy. He died like he lived. He had a knife strapped to him. He could have just ran at the ran at Kevin Spacey. Well, I think the other thing that I would have worried if I were in this position is if I don't, if he shoots me, will he just go on to hurt her anyway? Probably. Probably. I just don't think I could have. I don't know. I couldn't. And it's a horrifying choice. Yeah. And it's so terrible. But this is essentially what we find out is lust is the yeah. deadly sin here. Anyway, so Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt end up talking after this and Brad Pitt's like, look, I know this was rough, but this is a rough job and I'm prepared for it. And this is where we get the conversation of apathy versus optimism. Yeah. Yeah. And Morgan Freeman is like, I can't live in a place that nurtures apathy as a virtue. And I'm guilty of it myself sometimes, but I can't be in a place where it's the norm. I want to be in a place that makes me aspire to be better, essentially. But again, Brad Pitt kind of calls him on it. He's like, no, you care. You care a lot. Yeah. And that's why it bothers you. Uh, So we cut to Brad Pitt and Gwyneth Paltrow's apartment. Uh, He climbs into bed. Um, Cut to Morgan Freeman's apartment he can't sleep he throws out his metronome but why would you sleep to a metronome like i was so mad at this well he was that metronome cheated on him (laughs) (laughs) Um, because when you concentrate on the metronome it helps you tune out the sounds of the city i mean i just use a noise machine they yeah they probably didn't i mean i knew i mean maybe those existed at the time they definitely had like a sounds of the ocean like boom box i'm sure it was huge yeah (laughs) Yeah. maybe instead of the metronome you just hear like <laughs> like whales, like whale sounds. Anyway, so he throws out the metronome and then he gets up and pulls out his switchblade and throws it at the dartboard. I love how that never comes back for anything. It kind no, because it's the switchblade he opened the painting with, but that's it. He also opens the box opens with it the later, box but with like it. he oh, doesn't yeah. kill anyone with it. He doesn't save Brad Pitt by like he should have threw it at him at the at the chase scene. Yeah, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? or just like throwing it at Brad Pitt's hand while he was holding the gun. It's like that. Did you ever watch the Charlie McDennis episode of Always Sunny? Yeah, of course I did. Where they do it's like emotional torture, and at one point they like throw darts at Dennis's hand, yeah. and he just pulls it out. And just completely stone faced. <laughs> anyway, we cut to a 911 call because there's another crime. It's there's another murder, and this is the one where she has sleeping pills glued to one hand and a phone glued to the other, 
and her face has been disfigured. And she essentially has the choice of call for help and know that you will probably have to manage whatever your face looks like now, now that it is has been altered right or kill yourself with sleeping pills uh cut off your nose to spite your face essentially which is nonsense call for help i fully think that she was gonna call for help and then he just forced her to eat swallow the the sleeping pills yeah that's very possible no i, I don't think so i think written on, if you saw written on the wall it said follow your nose <laughs> did they ever find the nose no i think he kept it as a souvenir to put in his case in his apartment Ugh, okay he picked it <laughs> he picked that nose <laughs> hey to get it no explain <laughs> it in further detail okay, i have so never heard people... of picking a nose before what is this of which you speak well, Paige, you can't pick your friends, but you can I, pick I your can, nose. though. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mikey, it's that you can pick your nose and you can pick your friends, but, but you, you can't, can't pick, pick your, your friend's, friend's nose. nose. That's the thing okay. you were trying to call back to. Well, you got to high road me over here when you sure <laughs> Chompingson. That was my father's name. I'm Reginald <laughs> Chompingson. Esquire. The third. Oh, he's a lawyer. Yeah. Would you go to night school? Yeah, because he's a knight. Yeah, K-N-I-T. <laughs> yeah, K-N-I-T, Mikey. Anyway, so Morgan Freeman is like, I'm requesting to stay on for a few days to get through this case. I love how when they're walking into the police station page, Morgan Freeman's explaining, like, this could go on for years. I'm only staying on for a few days, and I, I might help after that if, you know, yeah. if we don't lock it up, right? And then immediately, Kevin Spacey turns himself in. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah. he just, like, stands in the lobby and screams, Detective, I hear you're looking for me. Yeah. And he has no fingerprints, and he's covered in blood. Pretty sure it was pasta sauce, but yeah, it was covered in a red <laughs> red sauce-like thing, yeah. It's goop, if you know what I mean. <laughs> they have him get down on the ground, and he just says, I'd like to speak to my lawyer, please. And we cut to them trying to book him, and all of his fingerprints are bloody. Yeah. And we reveal that he has no credit history or employment records. His bank account is pretty new and is cash only. He's John Doe by choice. Like he has made himself completely anonymous, which in a way that I don't think you could do today. No. But in this movie, yes. But you could do it in Gotham today. Yeah. You could do it in Gotham. And again, Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt are like, something's not right. There's two more murders. He wouldn't just turn himself in. Like, at five, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, but his lawyer basically says there's two more victims hidden and he'll only reveal them if Mills and Somerset go with him at 6 p.m. today out to whatever the site is. Yeah. His lawyer, who is Toby Ziegler from yes. West Wing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And... If you don't, he'll plead insanity and all of this conversation is admissible because it's a plea deal. Yeah. So they agree to go, uh, but they shave their chest to wear a wire. Uh, they wear bulletproof vests. And this whole time, Brad Pitt's like my wife, you know, when I get home and he's talking about her and everything. And we find out that she left a message for him at work, although I'm pretty sure it was Kevin Spacey leaving the message. Yeah, probably. I think she was just really mad because he was out late the past few nights and she like really lost her head about it. Oh, <laughs> anyway, they load into the car. And for the next like 15 minutes of this movie, we basically get Kevin Spacey's verbal manifesto. Yeah of why he's doing these killings and who he thinks he is. And we get the two different reactions to it. Brad Pitt's reaction of anger, which he kind of predicts. And then Morgan Freeman's reaction of, I, I see a contradiction. Let's discuss this. Yeah. 
let me help me understand essentially so they get to the place where they're supposed to stop and the helicopter's following them a van is coming down an access road we find out that that van is a courier now as they're getting to whatever the designated spot is that kevin spacey has chosen he does ask what time it is and it's 701 yeah and that's when they see the van yeah because at that point they're like parked and out of the car and in the field right and that's what gets morgan freeman to go like away from them Right. Yeah. So Morgan Freeman stops the van. But then a guy ran out of nowhere and stole that package right from the front porch. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, Morgan Freeman stops the van and the driver reveals that he has a delivery for David Mills, Brad Pitt's character. And he was paid 500 bucks to bring it there exactly at seven o'clock. So they're calling the bomb squad from the helicopter because they're watching all of this. Um, But he sends the driver away on foot so they can pick him up later. Yeah. And he decides to open it. And as he opens it, there's blood on the outside and he gasps at the contents. Now, you do not see her head in the box. You don't. And I, Mandela Effect, have a vivid memory of seeing her head in the box. <laughs> really? So does everyone who's seen this movie. I'll talk about it in fun well, facts. It does, but it's... it does flash her head, like quick frames of her face during this scene. It does. Her face. I did notice that, but still connected to her body. Yes, her alive face. Yeah. Not, not, and it's at, and it's after the box is open. It's when he's talking to Brad Pitt that they're doing those flashes. Yeah. But you never see her head. You just know because that's what John Doe says it is. Um, but at this point, Morgan Freeman is kind of coming back towards him. He's trying to get Brad Pitt to throw his gun away. And this is where... John Doe, Kevin Spacey, reveals I was envious of you and your normal life and your wife. Envy is my sin. Yeah. And I killed your wife and now you will become vengeance and wrath by killing me for killing your wife. And he really grapples with it because I think because also, you know, Morgan Freeman's like, if you shoot him, he wins. Yeah. Like, he gets his seven. And and it's meaningless, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. I thought that it was bonkers that Morgan Freeman drove to the delivery truck and, like, got the box, looked in it, and then ran back. He didn't drive back. Like, and... Yeah. Why? Like, he in that amount of time, John Doe was able to explain what happened. Like, if he had gotten there 30 seconds faster, he could have, like, I don't know, covered John Doe's mouth. I don't know. Like, there yeah. were so many easy ways to stop what happened from happening. Well, we'll get to that in alternate endings. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I can't wait to unpack this, like like the box of heads. <laughs> but so we get the shot from the helicopter, which is up above, um, and they're like, oh, my God, he shot him, but they have nowhere to land the helicopter because of the power lines. Yeah, he shoots him like seven times. He's, he empties the clip into him. Oh, yeah. Um, and we cut to him sitting in the car after as Morgan Freeman is basically shutting the door and sending him on his way, and they just say, we'll take care of him, whatever he needs. Where are you going to be? And he says, I'll be around. And he then says, the world is a fine place and worth fighting for. I agree with the last part. Yeah. And that's the movie. movie. I think that's a badass quote, too. It is a badass quote. I agree with the latter. The over the shoulder, like, last shot of Morgan Freeman I really loved. Just because it's, like, super film noir. Like, it's such a cool shot. And he's like, I'll be around. It just sounded like he was becoming Batman. In that moment, I was like, hell yeah. Yeah. I'm darkness. I drive Miss Daisy. (laughs) (laughs) But we should... 
Let's before we do final thoughts, let's jump into the the alternate endings because I want to I want to unpack them like Gwyneth Paltrow's goop. Alternate endings. So, Mikey, I have some like written out versions of them. What is your understanding of the alternate ending? And I'll tell you about the few that I have. I'm with you. There's a few, but the one I'm talking about that I thought was the coolest was because I saw the storyboards for it in one of the special DVDs or something that I bought back in college, which was when they opened the box. Morgan Freeman ends up shooting Kevin Spacey yes. to save Brad Pitt from shooting him. Oh, yes. that would have been cool. Yeah, I like to, that. Like, make, to like, keep his innocence. Yeah, yeah. I, yes. I always thought that was a cooler one. Yeah, I like that, that ending. That is, that is a cool ending. I don't hate it. I think that one's fine. Um, This is where that's what Brad Pitt advocated against. And his reasoning was was if you knew that your loved one's head was in a box and this person was responsible like you wouldn't be able to control yourself you would kill that person or like i, I mean i think that's most true would. and yeah. i think that's pretty true unless morgan too. freeman just came over quick and shot him in the head and was like i killed him first yeah beat you to it buddy beat you to it now here's the weird thing the studio hates the ending of this movie really hated it and when they got the original script they actually asked the screenwriter to change it and he did but then when they went to when david fincher kind of expressed interest in the film they gave him the wrong copy and so he got the original ending and basically was like i will only agree to sign on if we do this ending the intended ending okay and they literally never shut up about it the studio until the movie was finished was like well what if it's the dog instead of the wife like they wanted her to live through the movie so bad and then they do toy with having um morgan freeman's character shoot him which i i'm okay with that but literally it's not until the final edit that they're like okay fine i guess I mean, it's an, it's an iconic ending, though. It's an iconic ending. Because yeah. the first time you see it, the music comes in. You don't know what's happening. You're like, why is it so tense? Why is it so... And you're like, you haven't seen Gwyneth Paltrow in a long time. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, and the only thing you know is that she left that message, but that's it. Right. And they were 100% right to keep that ending because everyone remembers it. Oh, yeah. It Like, it puts this movie on the map. It is memed to this day 25 years later. Because this movie is over 25 years old right now. It's closer to 30 years old. It's 20, it's like closer seven. to 30. Yeah, it's yeah, 27 yeah. years old. But yeah, they didn't want it. They didn't want the ending to happen. Now, here's the crazy thing. So very similar to Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho and the legendary shower scene where people swear that they saw her get stabbed, even though they don't. The, the camera does not show it. People came out of this movie fully believing they saw Gwyneth Paltrow's severed head in that box and fully believing it appeared on screen. I remembered that that happened. It does not happen in this movie. And that's one of those things where like every once in a while you'll get a list of like, you're wrong about, you never saw her severed head. <laughs> we just, it is bloody box and he's saying that the head's in there that's what we have to go on essentially yeah um but i thought it was very interesting that it's a very very common experience to believe that you've seen her head now sequels wait what's the other alternative ender those are those are the two either she doesn't die or morgan freeman kills her or he does okay cool do you want to just do the rest of your fun facts since you're already in them yeah we're already in all right cool let's do it yeah. Well, we all loved the movie. Final thoughts. We loved it. Yeah. But... Yeah. Yeah. Final thoughts. We loved it. We talked about it for 17 minutes earlier. So yeah, yeah. it was great. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> Hit us with your five facts. Headbox. Fun facts. facts. So this movie does really, and we'll talk about it in box office. I yeah, will we have will. to recuse myself, but this movie does amazing. Yeah. In part because of what it was up against. Uh, by the way, it was up against Showgirls. <laughs> well, that'll do it. <laughs> 
Anyway, this movie does great. So New Line was like, well, let's make it a franchise. And so they took a spec script called Solace about a psychic investigating a serial killer and they rewrote it so that it involved Brad Pitt's character helping with the investigation. And essentially he was in either prison or a mental institution in the script. Oh, okay. Kind of like a Hannibal Lecter, like he's helping. Right, okay. Um, but Brad Pitt never signs on. Morgan Freeman never signs on. So Solace is eventually released with Hannibal Lecter, like literally Anthony Hopkins in 2015. Really? Just as a standalone movie. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was really interesting. That is interesting. So let's talk about how this movie comes to be. Yeah, please. Uh, and the script comes to be. So this movie was written by a man named Andrew Kevin Walker. And he was a graduate from Penn State's film program, but no one would read any of his stuff. And he was living in New York City, working at Tower Records. And he was so depressed that he wrote this movie <laughs> about the hunt for a serial killer who uses the seven deadly sins as inspiration for his crime. He sent it to another screenwriter, a guy named David Kep, who has written a ton of stuff. Sure. And then followed up with a phone call. And David Kep agreed to send it to his agent, who then sold it to New Line. But... On on the agreement that Walker should see a therapist, <laughs> basically, like, <laughs> he, he was wow. like, "You also need some professional help." Now, let's talk about David Fincher. So he had just done Alien Three, and no one else wanted to hire him for features, and he thought he was basically done. He, if you look at his directorial history, he does Alien Three, and then he does a bunch of music videos, and then he does this. Yeah, there was nothing in between, and he again really liked the finale. Again, it's the wrong finale. The studio doesn't want to film it but he gets the wrong one and agrees to do it now as filming commences they shoot that chase scene very very early and brad pitt's character not character brad pitt actor playing his character uh slipped and crashed his arm through a windshield of a car what Ooh. like in real life yes. like it wasn't a scene yes it severed his tendon down to the bone what oh my god yes and he had to wear a cast for the rest of filming which gets written into the script after that scene yeah but there are many scenes where they had to go back and film stuff that had happened before that in the story so they have to film and conceal his arm through most of the movie and it took months to recover from. oh, oh wow man, man. Yeah. okay Jeez. so uh the guy who played Sloth uh, is a real person wearing prosthetics that took 14 hours to apply. Oh, my God. That is so fucking long. Yes. Oh, and my God. They only had essentially two criteria that you had to be very, very slight frame. He weighs about 98 pounds yeah. and that he had to be able to lay down for long periods of time. Because, again, it takes 14 hours just to put the prosthetics on you. Then you have to shoot. So, like, he was Ugh. up for at least 24 hours, if not a little bit longer, just to do that one shot. And they actually asked him if he could lose weight for the role. Oh, my God. And he says that he did not lose weight for the role. <laughs> uh, now, the guy who played Greed uh, is an actor named Gene Borkan. And he answered a casting call for a smarmy lawyer type and got there and realized he was going to be dead, naked and covered in blood the entire time. So he renegotiated his contract on set and actually got five times the SAG day scale fee of $522. <laughs> so he made he was supposed to make like 500 bucks. He ended up, make, he ends up making like 2100 bucks and a pair of underwear. Oh, of course. They gave him that underwear. Yeah. 
Yep. Because he didn't want to be naked. I get it. He didn't want to be naked. Yeah. So originally, David Fincher wanted the film to open with Detective Somerset, Morgan Freeman, going to his country home and coming back so that we know that he has an actual country home. Yeah. <laughs> that would be, I actually kind of like that better. <laughs> Yeah. Instead of that, I want to move to the farm upriver. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but when they had to screen a rough cut, they hadn't shot that scene yet. And they needed to pad the time, which I think is crazy because this this movie is two hours long. It doesn't need padding. So they must not have finished it at the time. Um, So he hired a Yale student uh, or a Yale graduate who was graduating right at the time that they had used to do some pickup shots of John Doe's journals to kind of cut them together. And they gave him footage and were like, see what you could do to it. And that student, Kyle Cooper, put nine inch nails under it and then cut a bunch of the footage he already had and some like outlining things in Sharpies, writing. Those are like his hands and part of it. Cuts it all together and the studio loves it. They're like, these are the fucking coolest credits we've ever fucking seen. So Kyle Cooper then goes on to work on all like half of the Spider-Man series. And those credits were super cool. Yeah. Do you remember mm-hmm. the the Raimi Spider-Mans? Those were like like yeah, those, nothing. Those We'd never seen anything like those before. Uh, he then went on to work on the redo of Dawn of the Dead. And then uh, he worked for Zack Snyder on almost everything Zack Snyder's done. Zack Snyder actually once was quoted as saying that some directors refuse to use Kyle because he makes title sequences better than the movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's very high praise. It's wild. Yeah. Anyway, so the library set uh, is a pretty big set and it would have been incredibly expensive to try and reconstruct and furnish that entire set. So they just found another movie that had been using a set that looked similar so that they could essentially share the dressing of that set. And so that library set, the interior of it, is the bank from 1994's The Mask. Oh, wow. That was shooting close oh, to the same time. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Now, a bunch of different actors and actresses were cycled in and out of this in pre-production. So Brad Pitt's role was actually initially offered to Denzel Washington, which I would love to see. That would be amazing. I think Brad Pitt's fine in this, but Denzel's so fucking good. Brad Pitt does amazing, but (laughs) Denzel would fucking crush it. He'd be amazing. And probably could also rock a goatee. Like, I think, I feel like he's up to that task. Absolutely. Especially like 90s, like glory era Denzel. Fuck yeah. Yeah. He gets training day though. And I feel like that's his movie. Like, I don't know. You got wet. <laughs> he can have two movies. You can. Absolutely. I'm just like, as far as like Denzel playing a cop, like that's the one. Yeah. What's the movie with Denzel and Russell Crowe where they go into virtual reality and the glass recreates the androids arms and Russell Crowe's the bad guy? I have no idea what you're talking about. And he comes out of virtual reality and he. Oh, my God. OK, hold on. Anyway, Christina Applegate was cast before Gwyneth Paltrow was for the role of Tracy and ends up turning it down. Virtuosity. And Mikey, that also came out in 1995. It's a better movie. Than this? Doubtful. Go fuck yourself. You mean the movie where Russell Crowe plays the character named Sid 6.7? No, thank you. (laughs) Anyway, uh, Al Pacino almost got Morgan Freeman's role. Okay, I mean uh, Al Pacino's fine. I, I really love Morgan Freeman. Morgan, Morgan Freeman is yeah. perfect, is in, perfect this. Yeah, in this. I think so too. Now the crazy one though is that Kevin Spacey's role almost went to Michael Stipe from the band REM. What? No mm-hmm. shit. He's like shiny um, murdered people. <laughs> <laughs> That's me in the corner. That's me in the spotlight. 
doing seven killings. <laughs> yeah, it did not go much further than pre-production for that one. Now, when they went to go shoot Morgan Freeman showing throwing the switchblade at the dartboard, they were going to cut it together into two shots. But Morgan Freeman nailed every single take, hitting it almost dead center every time. So by the way, Morgan Freeman can fucking throw switchblades. Yeah. Do with that knowledge what you will. He's a big hit at Ren Fairs. Yeah. <laughs> now, the notebooks in John Doe's apartment, there's a whole shelf of them. Dear Journal, Stacy made fun of me today. It's his burn books. Burn in hell books. Actually, they are, and it's the prop department. Everyone in, who was working in the prop department basically had a, a stack of notebooks and time, and they were just writing things that they thought the character would write, and it took them two months to finish writing all of those notebooks. Why would you invest that much time when you're going to show one page on the screen it cost them over fifteen thousand dollars of production budget to make those notebooks that's the that's how successful the 90s was yeah the age of excess but that's also why they put the it would take two months to read all of these in the movie because, <laughs> because it, it took, took them two, two months, months to, to write, write all, all of them, them. <laughs> absolutely yeah yep now they had and I think this was Fincher's idea specifically because the studio didn't like it. But Fincher kept Kevin Spacey's name out of the opening credits because he didn't want people to look for him and try to solve the case of the movie before they watched oh, the movie. Oh, I like that. Yeah, that's a good idea. Whoever yeah. it was, that's great. Uh, so it only shows in the ending credits. Yeah, he's the first build. I remember when it came up, I was like, oh. Yeah, yeah. But back then, no one knew he was this fucking terrible person. People didn't know. Now, the guy who has the the knife dick, he didn't sleep for a couple days and in between takes would hyperventilate on purpose to make him look as traumatized as he does in that scene. Yeah. And he's like a law and order regular. His yes. name is Leland Orser. Yeah. Uh, but he's been on like so many law and orders. Yeah, I recognized him. Yeah. Brad Pitt bought all of his own ties for the movie because he wanted Mills to have poor fashion sense. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. He's like, I don't know how to dress. I'll buy ties. They keep it raining through the entire movie for two reasons. One is actually a budgetary reason. So they thought it added a sense of dread, which it totally Totally yeah, does. absolutely. Like it gives an ambiance to the movie. But also, they never had to worry about bad weather, regardless of when and where they were shooting. Yeah, I mean, if you force bad weather on every shoot, you just never have to plan for good you weather. You never have to worry about <laughs> it. Now, in a freaky coincidence, this ends up being the seventh highest grossing film of 1995. What? And those are your fun facts. Well, Paige, thank, thank you, for, you those for those amazing fun facts. fun facts. Let's talk some box office. So what do you think the production budget for Seven was in 1995? I A have lot. to recuse myself. All right, Mikey, what do you think it is? 37 million. Actually, Mikey, you're pretty close. It's $30 million. Now, if you adjust that for inflation, that's around $56.5 million. But still, $30 million in the 90s is not a no budget. That's like a pretty big budget film. It is, but it's all on the screen. It is. I think they oh, did a, yeah. a great job with all of it, really. So this movie came out on September 22nd, 1995. It premiered against Showgirls, as Paige said. And it was number one the weekend it came out. Obviously, seven, not Showgirls. 
girls. So it beat Showgirls. That was number two. Number three was Tu Wong Fu. Thanks for everything, Julie Newmar. Number four was Dangerous Minds. And number five was Clockers. Also on the charts was another Kevin Spacey movie, The Usual Suspects, which I think is a pretty stellar movie. Oh, Usual Suspects is fucking great. It is yeah. great. Um, Hackers was number eight and Braveheart was oh. 10. Mikey, just for you, 11 was Mortal Kombat and 12 was Angus. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So anyway. What a what a time. I know. What a time to be alive. Number 13 was A Walk in the Clouds. 14 was Apollo 13. 16 was Desperado. I mean, there I could go on, but I won't. Uh, 19 was Under Siege 2. Come on, guys. Uh, anyway. No, so good. What do you think 7 made in its opening weekend? I have to recuse myself again. Okay. $17 million. Oh, Mikey, you're actually not too far off, but you're a little bit high. It made almost double its namesake. It was almost $14 million. It was $13.949 million in its opening weekend. Uh, it was then in the box office for 32 weeks. So what do you think? And Paige, you probably know, but if you don't guess, what do you think it made in the domestic box office? I know. Okay, Mikey, what do you think? $36 million. Okay. It made... A hundred million dollars, literally one hundred point one million dollars in the box office just domestically. It then went on to make two hundred and twenty eight million dollars internationally for a total of three hundred and twenty eight point one million dollars. And if you adjust that for inflation, that comes out to a total of six hundred and nineteen million dollars if it was today. But back in the 90s, 95 to be specific, it was three hundred and twenty eight million dollars. This movie Fox, this movie made a lot of money. A lot of money. Yeah, I definitely understand why they try to do a sequel. It sort of breaks my heart that we didn't get 14 spelled with a number in it somewhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's your box office. Let's do that scary scale, Mikey. Yeah, scary scale is, is a scale of how scary we found the film today. It's a scale of 1 to 10. Our one example is Ghostbusters. Our 10 example is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Page. As a one for me, dog. Todd. I'm going to give it a two. I will also give it a one. And that's our scary scale. Yeah. It's not really that scary. It's more body horror for me, which really doesn't do a whole lot to scare me. There were no jump scares, really. Like, it's it's very manageable. Mm-hmm. So this week, you guys made me watch Seven. What are you guys making me watch next week? The Burning! I'm so excited. Now, this is like the 80s serial killer movie, right? Yeah. Yes. And we tried to do it for Camp Horror last summer. And it was, not, it was like streaming. And then it was not streaming. And it's back streaming again because I'm verified. It right now. We're gonna verify right now, motherfucker. Yeah, it came out uh, okay. 1981. It's on Tubi right now. It's on Tubi, the Roku channel, and Amazon Prime. Nice. Okay, so your homework for next week is to watch The Burning on one of those platforms that Paige just mentioned, and then check back for that episode. It comes in at a cool 91 minutes. <laughs> nice. Is this a, like a bonkers, like, Madman Mars type movie? Oh, yeah. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. It is. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, you're going to like this. It's Cropsy again. Nice. Yeah. Oh, it is Cropsy? It's it's the other movie that is also about Cropsy. Yeah. Oh, no shit. Okay, awesome. So when I said Madman Mars, I was right. You were. That's what yeah. we replaced it with last nice. time. Nice. Okay. I thought I vaguely remembered that. Anyway, so Mikey, do you have a review for us to read? No. Well, while you're looking one up, let me tell them how they can have their review read on the podcast, and that is to leave us a five-star text review, and we'll have Mikey read it for you. So Mikey, whose review are you going to read this week? I'm going to read Billy W073090. Well, what did Billy W073090 say? Title of review, great. I love listening to these recaps. 
My favorite so far was House 2. <laughs> it was a truly bonkers episode. Cried laughing and couldn't breathe. Oh, we are not responsible for any medical injuries. I'm currently catching up and I'm in the hundreds now. I listen at work all night and when I can't sleep, Thanks to everyone involved, five stars. <laughs> well, Billy, if you, oh man, honestly, they only get better and better as you get further and further into the hundreds. So, Billy, enjoy the more recent episodes. And then when you get to, what is this, 214, you'll finally hear your review being read. There you go. Something to look forward yeah. to. Yeah. So, Billy, thank you so much for that awesome five-star review. And if you want to have Mikey read your review, leave us a five-star review. So, guys, if you like this show but want to hear this power thruple on another movie review show about romance and romantic comedies, check out Romancing the Pod, where Mikey, Paige, and I break down and make fun of romantic movies. It's a lot of fun, guys. Check it out. If you want to follow us on social, please do. We are at Horror Virgin or online at HorrorVirgin.com. If you want to follow us all individually, you can do that as well. Paige is at Paige Wesley on Twitter or Rampage Wesley everywhere else, including Tim. TikTok. Mikey is at M Randolph 24 and I am at Todd J Awesome. If you like the show so much and you want to help financially support it, please do by going to patreon.com slash horror virgin where you can get a lot of great levels and a lot of great stuff like bonus episodes, director's cut episodes where they're a little bit longer and you get them actually a day earlier mm-hmm, than the regular mm-hmm. feed drop. We do a lot of great things like listener requests and stuff like that. So guys, check out yeah. the Patreon and help support the show. If you want to financially support me but not Todd, just look me up on Venmo. If you can't financially support the show, that's understandable, that's fine, but if you want to hang out with us on the daily, join the Facebook group uh, at facebook.com slash group slash horrorvirgin. We also link it like once a week, so just find it there and join the awesome Facebook group. Literally, we're in there talking every day. It's awesome. And guys, we got a P.O. box, so if you want to send us some love letters or whatever you might send to a P.O. box, it's actually not a P.O. box. It's like a regular street address. It's pretty awesome. It's 6688 Nolensville Road, Number 108-34, Brentwood, Tennessee, 37027. So send us some stuff. Yeah. And if you want to check out our Twitch stream, we're at twitch.tv slash Todd Awesome, where we will be playing horror video games. So if you have always wondered what it would be like to watch me get scared, you can now do that on Twitch while I play these horror games. It's twitch.tv slash Todd Awesome, guys. Check it out. It's a lot of fun for you. Not a lot of fun for me. This episode was brought to you by... Nick B. B. Nick B. Fun fact. Oh, yeah? Yeah. One time he ate so many SpaghettiOs, he got a tummy ache. (laughs) (laughs) But his tummy did not explode. No, he's fine. I just, you know, it was a bad decision late one night, been out drinking wanted to eat SpaghettiOs. This episode was also brought to you by Tia, and Tia's teenager is driving her crazy, so how is Tia's teenager driving her crazy this week? Uh, She wrote in, like, 2,000 notebooks all of her feelings about being a teenager, and it took (laughs) Tia, like, two months to read them. Yeah, it took her forever. (laughs) Someone asked me how my day was in the school bus, and I threw up on them. (laughs) (laughs) This episode also brought to you by the number Jeff, and Jeff wants you to check out his podcast, Kissing Jessica Jones, where each week they break down an episode of Jessica Jessica Jones, Agent Carter. They've recently also moved on to WandaVision. So if you want to check out a recap show featuring those shows, check out Kissing Jessica Jones. This episode also brought to you by Mr. Ragebomb. And Mr. Ragebomb wants you to know that he makes all of the horror virgin memes. So all the crazy shit that Mikey and I and Paige say throughout the episode about Chef Boyardee or Professor Boyardee or whatever, undoubtedly he will make it a meme and post it to at THV memes on Twitter. So follow that account if you want to see some dope ass 
THV memes. So Jonathan sent me a spooky spider video that he would like to share with you guys. Ooh. Are you guys ready to watch a spooky spider video? I guess. This one's called Brazilian. Brazilian, so they're hairless spiders? <laughs> this one's called Brazilian Sky Covered in Spiders. Oh, no, I have seen this before. Look at this. This is insane. No. No, 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 no. They're just like floating. Those are also definitely the kind of spiders that I really hate. Oh, my God. Nope. No, 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 no. Wait, are they at like, did they build their webs way up there? They're ballooning spiders. So, like, they're like hanging on a balloon they made? Yeah, they get stuck to stuff. So, they're like, they're stuck on the power lines or like floating or stuck to each other. And oh, my God. Those are huge. Dude. Yeah. Oh, man. Exactly. I, I have so much respect for people who can like get rid of that problem for you if you have like ballooning spiders in your house or whatever like I would Ugh. lose my mind yeah no thank you by the way I've noticed over the, this past week that uh, whenever I go to YouTube's homepage it serves me spider videos because it thinks I'm <laughs> into spider videos and I blame Jonathan for that yeah so thank you, Jonathan, so much for ruining my YouTube algorithm and also the support. We appreciate it. So we now return you to another episode of uh, The uh, Patreonicals. Okay. Allie the Mermaid <laughs> has taken Wes and Scott to Atlantis, to Atlantis. right? Yeah. It's a, there's a castle or whatever. Wait, Atlantis is just a castle? It's like that Christmas carnival castle from Night Before Christmas. <laughs> okay. It's like one, she takes into one castle. They think it's Atlantis, but it's obviously not. It's just one castle. Okay. And she's like, this is our, one of these castles. And the two submarines come up. One of which is Shining Donut, right? Shining Donut, With yeah. a helmet on. And the other one is just like the evil submarine that they made, right? Yeah. The- we all live in an evil, <laughs> evil submarine. submarine. <laughs> yeah, you have most evil Matthew... He knocks on the castle doors and he says, I am required by law to inform you that I am on the sex offender list. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no, Mikey. Oh, no. He just kept pissing in front of schools. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not for people to watch, just because he was like, I don't want to go inside. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to get into details because I feel that's very personal. Oh, yeah. But it was. Let's just say that at the local grocery store, no cantaloupe is safe. (laughs) (laughs) So Matthew and Kaylee broke up and she was heartbroken because they now cantaloupe. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I love disappointing Paige with my jokes. Oh, yeah. So on the Shining Donut, they're like, fuck, we can't get in this castle because it's indoors and we're in the ocean. So what are we going to do? And Amy's like, I have designed spacesuits that are now dive suits. And we put them all in. So like, wait, 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 wait. I have a logistical question. Matthew knocked on the door of the castle, right? He's already in a diving suit. Okay. So he like didn't just like sub up to it and like the submarine popped out like a little fist and knocked on the door. No, no. He's going around the whole neighborhood (laughs) within the two weeks that he's supposed to. It's just a very complicated thing. He's got to check in with his PO. Yeah. And then they start like launching cows over the walls at him and just like (laughs) because they're underwater. But they're not cows. They're like manatees. Yeah. 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 Sea cows. (laughs) Okay. So. They test the new uh, dive suit on Dave. He steps out, immediately implodes, and dies. Because of the pressure? Yeah. And then Amy's like, ooh, let me adjust that. So then... Uh... <laughs> I do love because he can, like, come back. He comes back every episode after dying that they use him as a guinea pig. He 
brings it to you every ball. <laughs> <laughs> so Isaac and Karun put their uh, their dive suits on. Amy's like, I'm staying in the ship to like run shit here. And Shiny Donut's like, yes, please stay. I have no one else to talk to. He's just a head in the floor right now. Don't give up. You're just a head in the floor. <laughs> <laughs> uh danielle and aaron the mun people are over on their side now uh they i've yada 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 some things and they're like we have to rescue kaylee she's been kidnapped by her ex and the illuminati we are also going to stay in the ship kate gets on her suit and like she's like i can still use my psych- psychotic powers oh, psychic wait, not psychotic hold on hold on hold on hold on uh, hold on psychic hold on. powers there you go psychic, there you go psychic, psychic psychotic powers. powers are like i'm gonna take a shit on a cop car psychic <laughs> powers are just like i know what you're thinking right now stop thinking about taking a shit on a cop car <laughs> intrusive thoughts <laughs> um dreskel was like okay go fucking kill atlantis and so sneaky snake joey nathan all put on their henchmen dive suits most evil matthew's with them most evil matthew's got a gun because why not he's evil right although guns aren't super effective when you try and shoot them underwater so uh it's a harpoon gun gun. yeah exactly (laughs) he stole it from the set of house one (laughs) brother and jennifer the ph the pirates they are stuck as prisoners of dreskel and he's like i'll take care of them you guys just chill out i've got some robots and stuff and then um Allie brings wes and scott to amber the head atlantis mermaid uh by elect she's an elected official oh, okay uh, she's like the queen of naboo yeah is she gonna alert people to the problems happening <laughs> oh wow <laughs> yeah uh okay that's a good one uh and then uh she's like amber's like oh we could totally fix this problem with this ghost in your shoulder or whatever we got to get you to our atlantis technology magic stuff come with me in this castle or whatever and that's the end of the episode is atlantis like wakanda look that's to be answered next week okay no i'm sorry well let's find out next week atlantis morissette is a lot like wakanda on another episode of the The patreonicles that's gonna be it for us you guys i'm Paige. i'm mikey and i'm your horror virgin todd keep it oogie spooky yeah have a great week bye Bye. goatee having but shouldn't have nerds No, he could keep that goatee. I could not keep my goatee, though. You should never have a goatee. No, I was jealous, honestly.